0: The problem with this set, not really a problem, I guess a decision with this set that they made, is that a lot of the cards are just not appealing unless you're doing the set mechanic stuff, which I think makes the limited format mm-hmm. pretty fun, but it does not do very much for the constructed side of things.
1: I think that like the big example of that that is like, borderline like offensive to me when I read the card, just like the blue dominus. Yes, is just like such nonsense as a construct because like the blue dominus doubles your proliferate effects, but proliferating is like hard enough to like leverage anyways because to proliferate you have like that's already uh enabler plus payoff thing you have to have something with counters on it that matters ideally two or three somethings with counters on it that matter and then you have to proliferate and then you did it and like that's hard enough and like has not really been a constructed thing anyways and then the dominus is like put me in the mix too you need an enabler a payoff and then this it's like a five drop like a four drop
0: but yeah
1: it's a four drop okay but like you know untap with this four drop i just like can't imagine it should just like double counters or something like that it should like do half of like that half of doubling season or something like that but like it's so crazy that it's just like do the difficult thing already and i'll make it like a little bit better like i guess it's a commander card but it, it clearly just doesn't have any designs on constructed play if you're gonna design a card like that yeah that card is kind of messed up
0: it's not even that it's a it's a three five flyer, I guess, right? Something like that. Three yeah, three four. Sure. Which is pretty big and limited.
1: Oh yeah. I mean it's certainly good and limited, but
0: But when is it ever gonna see flailing
1: know, No. It's it's just not not all of the mythics like have to be or whatever, but it's just such a weird like you look at it and you're like, How could anyone ever be expected to like pull this off? And is it even good if you do? No. No
0: reminds me of the green one, which is the green Dominus, which is like a seven, six, six or seven mana card that doubles the power of creatures on your turn. <laughs> That's all it does.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like a a very medium Crater Hoof Behemoth, and it's like Nyssa is already in the set, so if you wanted that effect, like you just have a better version of it. Yeah, so wild. That's cool, though. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff like everything except for red i had a bunch of interesting cards that i pulled out so I only complaint
0: is there's just not enough
1: mirror in the set
0: there's like three and there's one of them that tutors for another mirror and there's just like two other mirror <laughs> they didn't even make the little two one that gets a land for two mana it's an artifact creature mm-hmm. that that seems like a mirror kind of thing like two mana i get a land
1: that one's a golem
0: yeah <laughs> it's not even a mirror
1: golems are nowhere as cute as mirror no nowhere Hey everyone, welcome to episode 279 of the MTG Grandcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Haley. Hi Chris. What's going on? I have been watching some streams. The set came out today. I haven't really come to any conclusions about anything yet. I haven't had a chance to play at all yet, but I'll fix that up tomorrow. But are you ready to do some very early set review?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of neat because I, I haven't seen any gameplay from the new cards from uh Magic Online or mm-hmm. Arena for that matter, because the challenges paid out last weekend in one packs and
1: yes. they were
0: briefly legal in the queues and such. And they outlawed yeah. those things like today before mm-hmm. this set releases today. So the only time I was able to like see anything happening was like waiting for these cards to be unoutlawed. <laughs> they need them to become legal again
1: <laughs> yeah that is always such a mess it used to be just that like as soon as the cards existed like you could maybe play them yeah
0: I don't, I'm not quite sure how it works like maybe you can play Farxane Arena in standard but who knows
1: well you can now so that that's fine but yeah this set is nice
0: yeah there's some
1: cool stuff I think there's plenty of cards to talk about uh, it definitely seems like it. It's probably not going to have, you know, as much impact as a couple of other recent sets, uh, especially like Kamigawa. But there is cool stuff. What I what I really am appreciating is that there's some neat stuff at like very high spots on the curve that could that I could see seeing play. There's like multiple five six and seven mana spells that are like this could just be good enough for standard and maybe even something else and that's kind of neat because you don't see that that often
0: yeah i think this is mostly going to have like a strixhaveny style of impact to the format Mm -hmm. with the caveat that strixhaven's land cycle were the the garbage shadow lands i can't remember what they're called right now
1: the snarls snarls there we go Having fast lands over snarls is just like enough to skyrocket your your contribution to magic legality.
0: The, the snarls are whew, nowhere near; they do not compare to the fast lands, which are
1: very good. I've I've said this before, but the fact that they just like gave up on designing the cycle that they were finishing out, just like oh yeah, they all have the word snarl in the name, and they're all just like little balls of energy somewhere that just. We, we don't even really want to actually pay for this art. You can just slap anything on there you want. It, as long as it it's fits awesome. the color section, you know? Yes. Like the
0: white-black one has to be, you know, white and purple. That's just mm-hmm. how it is.
1: So, no, thank you, as always, to Snarls. Welcome to Pioneer and Standard Allied Color Fastlands. Copperline Gorge and company. And Razor Verge Thicket making, you know, very immediate... You can cast your lanoir Elves in your Allied color decks now and then the rest. I think Razor
0: Verge Thicket itself, even though it
1: doesn't like slot
0: into Angels, which is the V green white deck everyone thinks about.
1: Well, Angels is not a lanoir Elves green
0: white deck. Yeah, so. exactly. I think the presence of Razor Verge Thicket for Pioneer is like quite huge because it lets you actually play a lower curve green white decks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with way more consistency. And you also have a yeah. couple cool pickups for this set, which we'll probably talk
1: about later. Maybe some hardened scales action or something like that. Who knows? Shall we start talking about some cards?
0: Yeah. Who started last time? Am I going to start? Or are you starting?
1: I, I probably started last time. You're welcome to start the white cards if you want.
0: Um, Let's see who has to start red. Yeah, yeah, I'll start the white cards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going five to one, yeah? yep yep so the first card i have written down is number five ossification Uh, this is a one and a white aura enchant a basic land you control and enters the battlefield you exile a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls until ossification leaves the battlefield so this is kind of like your journey to nowhere slash chain to the rocks effect you can only get basic lands but it does hit planeswalkers
1: yeah i mean i've wanted journey to nowhere multiple times both in like standard and pioneer uh and they just you know don't give it to us it's probably a little too good for you know two mana hits anything exiles anything this same thing also hits planeswalkers it is a relatively steep requirement like you have to have drawn your basic land which means you have to be playing a good number of basic lands because drawing this and needing to cast it on you know turn two or three and being unable to is just like you're gonna die
0: yeah you i I think this card really shines in blue white control and like white weenie i guess if you want to play it there because you're in both of those decks you are playing a good number of basics Mm -hmm. uh, for different reasons but you you do end up playing a lot of basics in those type of decks
1: in standard and like maybe pioneer you get a really really powerful removal suite if you want it of lay down arms and then ossification. That's a great start if you're just like I can afford to run a ton of planes. And that makes me pretty interested, especially in standard, just to continue the trend of these like mono white decks and these powerful removal spells low on the curve and then some really powerful card advantagey, board advantagey stuff higher up on the curve, you know, I you don't really even need another color.
0: And if you are in a slower deck, you do have access to field of ruins cousin demolition field is that what it's called mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> which is does encourage you to play basics too
1: yep yeah I think this card is just fine
0: uh, my number four is a card we talked about last week it's Mondrak uh Mondrak glory Dominus this is the two white white four four legendary phyrexian horror that I'm just gonna like shorthand read these it doubles tokens that you make uh, of any type so it doubles clues and it doubles art uh, creature tokens And you can pay one Frixion White, Frixion White, and sacrifice two artifacts or creatures to put an indestructible counter on Mondrak. This is the engine card. I think it's the only Dominus that double effect actually matters on, because you are essentially getting cards out of it and board presence at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other ones are all kind of just nebulous or garbage. Uh, But this one, you actually have some build-around potential. The indestructible counter thing feeds in very well with the cards you're already playing into this because the the, if you're doubling tokens you're going to have a few extra laying around and the threat of it being indestructible is pretty good i don't have any decks in mind for standard or pioneer because this is still a four mana legendary card so i haven't gone deep into seeing what all the cool little token cards are but i like it
1: yeah again i really like that synergy with doom traveler type creatures that you can sacrifice them to its ability and then you get double uh, immediately Uh, that's a nice little payoff that four four body plus anointed procession does seem to be a lot of value but i agree like i don't really see a specific deck i don't i don't know what it looks like yet and i'm not picturing anything in my head but there are a decent number of just very good cards that make tokens just at, like, that's how a lot of cards in Magic just work these days. Wedding Announcement and Fable of the Mirror Breaker, like, you can just run those in a deck with Mondrak and your card quality is really high. And then if you put these things together, you're getting lots of stuff.
0: See, in white, the cards that jump to mind when you when I say, like, all right, I need a good token creator. That's just not, like, a, like a good card on its own. I get Wedding Announcement and The Wandering Emperor, because that makes Samurai yeah and then adeline and those are all like i mean yeah we're doing something else right we're not mondraking
1: (laughs) yeah i mean well adeline really feels like we're doing something else but i think you can put cards like the wandering emperor wedding announcement together in a deck with mondrak and it makes a lot of sense yeah i think
0: wedding announcement and mondrak are bffs for as long as yeah they're going to be played together because they just work so well
1: Uh yeah and like then it's antheming your other tokens that you're playing because you're a mondrak deck and that that all sounds really nice to me i mean maybe this is a version of the mono white deck and your cheap spells are you know you're leaning on some of the removal that's really really good and yeah i don't know there's there's good stuff here
0: i guess there's that um flashback the flashback make two tokens card that's in green and white i don't know what other but that's really efficient you're doubling it that's true because you're basically quadrupling tokens (laughs) your tokens <laughs> right i don't know what the other good green token creating cards in standard are i don't want to go like super deep and play courier's briefcase or whatever <laughs> <laughs> right right I, just, I would i would like to play good green cards in my, in my
1: deck well and and i think that's the thing that makes me excited about mondrak is if i can put it in a 60 a starting 60 that like all of my token makers just also happen to be good cards then that sounds fantastic to me yeah and
0: that's what i would be Looking for if I wanted to build around this deck because I think it is cool and it can be powerful. Yeah, uh, especially going forward as we keep printing more tokens because <laughs> we are not stopping that. Nope. Uh, my number three is Kimba, Caught Enduring. This is like a pioneer little pet pick. She's mm-hmm. a one and white two two legendary cat. Uh, whenever she or another cat enters the battlefield you your control, you get to attach an equipment you control to that creature. It also gives equipped creatures you control plus one plus one, and you can pay five mana to make a two-two white cat. So this mostly um for the the first line of text, the auto-equip when you play her. Yeah. For pioneer, mostly for hammer. Like it's a way to equip hammer in pioneer, uh, which do not yeah. have very many of those.
1: It is not a very satisfying way of equipping hammer in pioneer, though, because by herself she does not give you a hammer attack that turn. Yeah. So you gotta either untap with her which I don't feel super confident in or you got to like find another hoop to to get that attack immediately.
0: It is nice to I mean yeah you're not going to beat Sigarda's Aid in pure efficiency
1: and Pioneer no. that's
0: just and luckily the card is in Pioneer.
1: Right. So this is just a backup to that.
0: Right. And it's good to have backups like if your turn 1 is hammering your turn 2 is I have a, a 13 13 like okay right you're gonna have to deal with it like it can't but, attack but you know <laughs> you have a 13 at 13.
1: <laughs> if you don't have an answer to this and it can't be a burn spell or something then you know right you're gonna die and maybe
0: Kemba just like takes some uh is the abyss for a little bit while your opponent tries to like draw answers to it and then you play out your regular game plan and that's fine like i think mm-hmm. she has a very low floor which is why i like her uh as, instead of being like this is another this is a, another alternative cigarda's a type deal. Because even if you draw her later in the game, she can still auto-equip a hammer. And it the tribal text is kind of meaningless. You're not playing any other cats in Pioneer.
1: Well, except for activating Kemba, I guess.
0: Yeah, which will probably come up. But I'm a big fan of Kemba, just for enabling more decks in Pioneer or more cards for more archetypes in Pioneer.
1: Yeah, it certainly makes you look at the equipment stuff and that uh, hammer and and it makes it much more realistic that that's something you'll want to do and
0: keep in mind that the hammer decks got two white fast lands like you get both razors that get Z chrome coast now so the options of playing those lower to the ground white decks and pioneer are way more feasible than they were before
1: yeah, that's true. I also suspect that there is another white card on your list that probably goes into whatever hammer-type deck you're playing. So, so. my
0: number one <laughs> <laughs> is Skrill of Defector Might, uh, and this is a, a card that would go in the hammer deck. It's a, a white mana, legendary artifact, Phyrexian Might. It's a 1-1 with toxic one. Which
1: I I—God, I really suspect— that, that might creature type just got made because Insect wouldn't fit on that type line with Legendary Artifact Creature for Phyrexian.
0: How long until they keep adding Legendary Artifact Creature types and then they just like shorten Insect to bug? But Scrove can't block, and you can pay a Phyrexian White and tap him or it to choose a color, another target creature you control against Toxic One, and Hex Proof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. So Scrove's on the small side for these Giver Runes type cards it's a one one that can't block and does not want to attack like it's got toxic one but that's flavor text basically yeah you are mostly using this card to protect your your combos like your hammer your devoted druid or whatever uh the artifact type is relevant sometimes other times it'll be a downside but the ability to also push through damage is nice
1: and i just think that it is so clearly an ingredient that we don't have in standard and in pioneer is that like one mana play that then protects your stuff that's higher up on the curve so they like have to kill this first and it spellskites it basically you know in modern maybe the artifact type puts it into some hammer builds over giver of runes but in like pioneer if you're playing hammer if you're playing all that glitters you know whatever this kind of stuff that you are Creating a protect the queen strategy, like this does a great job of being a cheap play that protects your queen.
0: Yeah, I think it can be very well for itself in auras type builds mm-hmm. as well. Because unlike the Eidolon, it does not grant protection. So if they use white removal on your creatures, you can actually protect it. Like it doesn't just all fall yeah. off. That's really nice. Definitely hurt sometimes if your opponent chain to the rocks your creature and you're just like, well, that sucks.
1: <laughs> can't really do anything yeah. about that yeah <laughs> then that, that's a real thing and i mean the white removal is very good and we're getting even more of it so that's a, a real issue for decks like that
0: yeah it just ossification was on this list and i don't expect that to be like super wide played or anything but it is a card that people could realistic, realistically play and yeah. that's just a bonus that Scrub has on top of the already is a give for in a format that doesn't have it which is more important right
1: I think that we'll see a ton of play and as long as those decks like exist at all, like it'll be including Skrull and kind of they get to exist because of Skrull.
0: Yeah, this is also a white one drop legendary creature from Amber. if someone figures out how to make that work.
1: 2025, like two years from now, I think like Mox Amber is just going to be like the best non-alpha Mox. Like there's just, we just keep getting more cheap legendary creatures. And at some point it's just going to be completely nutty and it's pioneer legal. So get in on that, you know, as soon as it becomes a thing.
0: After printing Mox Amber, it's wild to me that they wouldn't be just like, all right, I know we're pushing commander, but maybe we shouldn't print one meta legendary creatures.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just maybe. we're getting them and some who knows like maybe the next big modern deck is some like ragavan skrelv mox amber deck that stranger <laughs> things have happened yeah, get
0: some of up series in there too Just
1: well <laughs> that's a little too strange that card does not have text i know
0: We're, the good legendaries are what make it <laughs> that's that's why i'm on your list
1: mine shares a couple and has a few other ones my number five is mondrak i think that is cool but uh, you know, if there's just no token Z deck, then it's not really going to do that much. But there's just so many good token Z cards that I feel like you want to make this happen. My number four is the Eternal Wanderer. This is 4 white white for a 5 loyalty planeswalker. No more than one creature can attack the Eternal Wanderer each combat. I feel like I barely need to read this card because half of Magic Twitter has been like, this card is the least beatable thing in Limited I've ever seen. Yeah, it's but very good Limited. Plus 1, exile up to 1 target artifact or creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of that player's next end step. Zero, create a 2-2 two, two white samurai creature token with double strike. Minus 4 for each player. Choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control not chosen that way. It is a 6 mana Planeswalker. That's the downside. If they have a removal spell for a Planeswalker and this came down and just made a 2-2 double striker, that's not great either. But other than that, if you are hitting 6 mana and you're playing some grindy games... This is good on basically every board. It either like wipes the board and then they need to have a removal spell to kill your blocker in order to finish off the Eternal Wanderer with their worst creature. Or this just comes down on any sort of stalled board and just starts making 2-2 double strikers. Or it can fog an attacker, or it can double up, you know, give you extra ETB effects on whatever the might stone and weak stone or whatever you've got going on reset sagas that have flipped i guess but usually the ones that see play the creature part is really good so you don't really want to do that but just a really powerful card that if it stays in play for any length of time your opponent is dying to it and and also just like good on pretty much any board that you can reasonably imagine in standard so yeah i think this card
0: is a standard all-star it did not make my list because i was more focused on pioneer and i don't know how it matches up because there are a lot of good like six plus mana plays and even in white (laughs) in pioneer and
1: i just don't care about casting six mana spells in Pioneer. like that's not a thing i think about right like
0: yeah it's for the people who love Elspeth's champion and i guess people who like lotus field that's kind of it
1: yeah and then, you know, Storm the Festival, I guess, is the...
0: Is that a six mana card? Or is that like a card that generates a mana after you cast it?
1: Yeah, it's a ritual. <laughs> like, that's the thing that I think... It's, it's the cost of a six mana card in, in each format. Like, in Standard, yeah, it's expensive. It's hard to put six mana cards in your deck. But there's usually at least like one or two decks in the format that are happy to have a couple of six mana spells in it. In Pioneer, it's like... Special use cases, and you get up to like, oh, storm the festival. Like that's a really powerful six mana card that doesn't actually really cost you six mana at the end of the day. And then in modern, there's literally like one six mana spell that you cast, and that's Primeval Titan, and that is a, you have to cheat as hard as anybody has ever cheated on mana in order to cast that.
0: Yeah, your your whole deck list for like years was just an inscrutable mess of lands that no one knew the text of. <laughs> yes.
1: And it still is a, a modern deck with 11 Bounce Lands in it, which is a, a shocking mana base. The, the Bounce Lands are cool, though. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, they're busted in that deck. Uh, my number three is Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. This is four and a white for a 4-7 Vigilance. <laughs> I actually skipped Elish Norn. She was number two on my list, but we're talking about her now. Ah, uh, okay. I thought we might have been short one card. I felt like we wrapped it up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. No worries. Uh, if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanents your opponents control to trigger. I think if absolutely nothing else, this is a fine five to play in incarnation decks that just like gives you tremendous value and also shuts down like a lot of stuff out of your opponent's deck. You're never losing a mirror when you have Elish Norn in play. But I think it also extends to different places too, because you start thinking about things and it occurs to you like what this does. I can even imagine this card in modern because it's so good with white cards and also nothing kills it. So like if you play this and then you evoke a solitude, you get to exile two creatures that turn. And then you like, yes, it's five mana, it's in modern, that's a lot. But you know, you can double up your solitude or Leyline Binding and also, this dies to none of the main deckable removal spells in modern. So, yes, you spent five mana on it, but unless they hit their one of Terminate, like it's staying in play. It doesn't die to Lightning Bolt, doesn't die to Unholy Heat, it doesn't die to Solitude, it doesn't die to Leyline Binding. Barring like Prismatic Ending for Wooberg, I don't <laughs> see how this dies. Yeah, it's she's really tough to remove. But what's key is that she
0: disables so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of the neat things someone mentioned in modern that she could do is, uh, if you play her with Omnath, she's a lot easier to like power out into play without losing so much of mana efficiency, and she turns every land into four Omnath triggers. Like every fetch land is just a yeah. fully activated Omnath.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm only really seeing her in like Omnath Solitude decks, but in those decks, like she does seem to be enabled pretty well.
0: Yeah, because the way Omnath works, uh, when you play a land, it triggers twice. And then Omneth just checks how many times you resolve the ability. So one Mm -hmm. land is four life and then four mana.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. And And, then you crack your fetch. That will murder your opponent really quickly because you get that four damage to them.
0: Yeah, and again, they can't Solitude them away. Like, Solitude is turned off now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, I just don't see how she dies basically ever unless people start changing their removal spells to account for her.
0: Right, yeah. She does cost five mana. This is the main yes, thing. of course. We and were just that talking about how expensive six mana was in modern. Five mana, five if you're not close. doing Titan stuff, is basically yeah. the same.
1: <laughs> I I agree, and that obviously makes it difficult. But uh, the the juice may be worth the squeeze here. It also does like other stuff. You know, it shuts down all the incarnations and various other things. You can't die to breach combo if you have Elishnorn in play. Like, there's just, like, a bunch of little things that kind of don't happen to you if you have an Elish Norn.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Grinding station does not trigger. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, their breach might still be pretty good, but... Yeah, they might kill you with mm-hmm. lightning bolts, but, you know. Right. That can happen for sure you still got to finish it before they do something like that or like breach double unholy heat and then grinding station then they combo so maybe that's irrelevant because if they're at the point where they can combo then they can kill this with breach but you know it's just nice little additions to a card that may be good enough so i guess my list is in a pretty weird order Scroll is my number one as well some spot on this list i didn't really organize it that well I, I i like ossification as a removal spell i think that that is probably the better white removal spell to come out of this set but i did want to point out planar disruption and this is uh maybe the first pacifism that's actually like a constructed thing mm-hmm. so this is one in a white for an aura enchant artifact creature or planeswalker Enchanted Permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. So it depends on like exactly what threats are in the format that you want to remove. You know, this doesn't solve a Shieldred the way that you want to sh- solve a Shieldred. But it solves like a huge variety of things. There aren't very many removal spells that can take out an Oni Cult Anvil and uh an eternal wanderer and they can take out you know uh, just whatever to drop your opponent has played efficiently uh and that's like a big span of cards so i'm kind of into this just depending on what people are doing
0: yeah i, I don't mind this card i gave ossification the nod because it it takes the creature off the board like in cases yeah, of like shield it, it it hurts but if you actually care about enchanting an artifact uh mm-hmm. can't hit artifacts so that's kind of the not yeah. there also if you have just <laughs> your mana base is so greedy that you cannot cast ossification that's also which i
1: think is a add. real thing oh yeah enchanting it, a plan is not trivial yeah uh and especially like i mean i don't know that planar disruption sees like pioneer play but I'll, there's not a lot of decks that are playing a ton of basics that aren't like mono colored in you know Pioneer, just the, the the range of cards that this deals with is really really impressive to me. And there are certain cards that it does not deal with, but it's just like a weird, you know. I have in my mind, I can easily picture like what cards does Fatal Push deal with? What cards does Lightning Bolt deal with? It is hard to like envision in my mind. It's a very different bubble of cards that Planar Disruption deals with. It's this like weird, abrade plus kills planeswalkers plus can deal with certain big creatures but also can get disenchanted so there's that you know a little like divot taken out of the bubble for cases where your opponent has lauren of the third path or whatever i just like the flexibility here
0: it's a little more like damping sphere than an actual shatter effect because it doesn't work on all the artifacts like even only cult anvil still has some of its ability
1: that's true but answering some part of the only cult anvil is often like a big deal yeah but like this doesn't answer like mind splice apparatus or whatever so yeah that certainly
0: man you had that card name so ready
1: <laughs> i've been thinking about that card a lot Lee. <laughs> well do
0: you mean do you want to go on to blue cards
1: yeah let's go on to blue cards my number five is bring the ending oh so sweet that's my number five nice one in a blue for an instant counter target spell unless this controller pays two Corrupted, counter that spell instead. If it's... Oh, they used the wrong it's there. That's they disgusting. Did, yeah. If it's controller has three or more poison counters. uh That is upsetting. uh So, you know, it's quench with upside. I have to say that I'm not like super a believer in poison counters in Constructed. I just don't know how we're putting cards like this into our deck and also giving our opponent poison counters. Like if that process involves playing cards like Skrull's Hive to try to like be a win condition and like a like that just doesn't sound good to me. But that said, like if poison counters are a thing at all, I think this card is really nicely designed to work in a deck like that, where early on, you know, Quench on turn two is the same thing as counterspell on turn two. Like this is on in the early game because Quench is on in the early game and then later on in the game hopefully you've gotten those poison counters on your opponent. And then this is still on because now it's a full hard counter spell. So that's a really nice design. The other one, the like divination one that costs two less. If your opponent is corrupted, you know, that feels less good to me because it's turned off in the early game because it's a divination. And then in the late game, like, yeah, it is a one mana draw to, but it was dead until that point in the game. So it feels a little less elegant and flexible than than this card. But this is also kind of a stand-in for like m- maybe some sort of toxic corrupted deck is a thing. That's my number five blue card is like maybe we're doing poison counters. But I am not super optimistic that they end up working out in Constructed.
0: No, yeah, I don't, I don't think they will. Uh, at least not with the cards from this set. If they keep doing toxic in the next couple sets, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I basically think the best poison or the best toxic card to come out of this set would be uh, the three drop blue creature That's a two three toxic one that turns an artifact into a four four as long as it's not on the battlefield yeah That Shulmer. and that is that's the best toxic card it isn't screlv right because i don't i don't know how screlv and a kind of counter spell like this works together that well mm-hmm. like i probably would not want to play them in the same deck if given yeah
1: that feels weird yeah yeah
0: so it's just mostly a quench slight upside right
1: and and in order to play this card, you have to convince yourself that it's better than Make Disappear in your deck. And Make Disappear is pretty good. Right, and so. I, I don't think it's it's better than Make
0: Disappear. But Make Disappear I mean, not be around generally. this time next year.
1: Yeah, and, you know, maybe we are poisoning with creatures in the future. Like, that—that that is kind of what this demands.
0: See, there are a couple of cards I like in blue that proliferate, but do not mm-hmm. put a poison counter on something. Uh, which really makes you want to have like the uh, Skrelv or the Crawling Chorus, I guess, which is the the Doom Traveler with Toxic, yeah, to like try to enable a poison counter or one of the random black cards that does it. But I think those are all bad, uh, and I I don't think those cards are all competitive enough. But a couple of the blue proliferate cards I do actually enjoy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got one of them at least on my list as well. My number four one is not one although it might go okay with some of the prol- proliferate cards. but number four is Mind Splice Apparatus. This is three and a blue for an artifact with flash. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus. Incident sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus. This just, it do- it's not the same thing as a wilderness reclamation, certainly. <laughs> but it has this really similar feeling to it where like, you play it, they don't really have a window to deal with it before you start doing stuff with it. And then if they don't manage to deal with it, especially since you have gotten to untap, which makes that kind of hard, then it just kind of buries them. I watched Todd playing a Pioneer Brew with obviously that deck was not tuned or anything. There's still a lot of work to be done on it, but this card looked impressive in it. When he untapped with it, it was like, oh wow, the world is just like, available to you now there's all this stuff you can do with it now that your spells cost one less or you use the land that puts an oil counter on something and now they immediately are costing two less and you can cast multiple spells on this turn and deal with whatever your opponent had um this just feels like a scary card if it's in play on the other side of the table
0: is the land that puts an oil counter on an artifact like
1: play, worth playing i think it might be It's just, it comes into play untapped. You just tap it to put an oil counter on something. I don't think it's that far from being playable, especially if your mana requirements are not. I mean, the problem is that your mana requirements become severe once your spells don't cost any generic mana. So then that's a little bit awkward, but whether you're using that or you're using the proliferate spell experimental augury, which is the next card on my list, jumping up a little bit and just immediately discounting your spells heavily I think is pretty powerful.
0: Experimental agree. I I'll read that one. That's anticipate mm-hmm. and you get to proliferate.
1: <laughs> yes. Just a pushed card. Just putting proliferate onto that. Like that is the cheapest we've seen proliferate being. And I I'm I would be surprised if this card didn't show up anywhere, because there are good uses for it and it is pretty low cost to to put this in. Anticipate, not good, but anticipate even just like putting a loyalty counter on a planeswalker is like, oh, okay, that that might be good. Or anticipate and flipping your Fable of the Mirror Breaker on their end step. So now you untap with a reflection of Kiki Jiki. There's scary stuff that you can do with just like a little bit of cheap proliferate in your deck.
0: The reason I like this card so much, this is also number three on my list, External Talkri, is because proliferating is very innocuous and hard to set up but it gets so much better for each counter you put on another thing mm-hmm. like the value skyrockets tremendously which is why I the proliferate cards previously were so expensive like the last time right. we got card draw plus proliferate it was steady progress it cost three mana <laughs> and I just drew a card
1: <laughs> yes i i guess tezzeret's gambit was the closest one to being like pushed and that was like tough to play yeah three mana two life I I think there's a lot of room for this card to be very good and to do scary stuff. And it's also, like, unpredictable. You don't know when your opponent's going to have it. And there's all these things that kind of hinge on, like, I know how scary a planeswalker is at any given time. I know how close it is to ultimating. I know if my opponent minuses it, can I kill it with this creature? By introducing that little bit of, like, it could just get an extra counter at some point then your Planeswalkers get a lot more unpredictable and a lot more dangerous.
0: And if you have anything that works off oil counters or charge counters, mm-hmm. like Mindsplice Apparatus, it's yep, it's a big deal.
1: And this is phenomenal with Mindsplice Apparatus because like your deck obviously wants Mindsplice Apparatus really badly. So before you have it in play, this is an anticipate to dig for it. And then once you do have it in play, this costs one mana to put another oil counter on it. And then all of your other spells just cost nothing. Yeah, you're turned on at that point yeah i'm turned on <laughs> okay <laughs> let's see my number two is mercurial spell dancer this is just a card that appeals to like every one of my sensibilities one in a blue two one can't be blocked whenever you cast a non-creature spell put an oil counter on it whenever it deals combat damage to a player you may remove two oil counters from it if you do when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn copy that spell you may choose new targets for the copy I totally understand all the weaknesses of this card. I get that it dies to everything. I know that you effectively have to cast like three spells in order to make it do the thing. I kind of don't care. All of the blue cards on my list are these kind of like speculative build arounds that maybe they work and are great. Maybe they don't work at all. And this is just one of those and the one that I really want to try the most. So it it makes it up there high on my list. I
0: also have this as number two. Uh, but mostly for its synergy with the Kaitos, like both the three mana Kaito and the four mana Kaito. Sure. I quite like that you can just have a two-drop unblockable creature to fuel the third the three mana Kaito or the four mana kaito in this set. You can return you can turn a creature that dealt combat damage to your hand in order to activate it a second time. And mm-hmm. this creature is both unblockable and fairly cheap with a relevant yeah. effect. Uh, it does yeah. suck if you've stacked up oil an oil counter, you have to bounce it to your hand. But because this is a combat trigger, if you already have two, you can hit trigger the card, then return it to your hand.
1: Yeah, that's kind of sick. I, yeah, I'm into that. Right. And the fact that it triggers, you know, you have to have an instant or sorcery to copy, but you can put counters on there with your sagas, with your planeswalkers. And that is pretty flexible. So it doesn't need to be limited to is it spells decks. Like right. you can It works on artifacts. Yeah. Yeah, you can trigger it with prophetic prism if you're really trying to go that deep on stuff. Uh,
0: it works with blind splice apparatus.
1: <laughs> it does. I think <laughs> that that is probably a, a road that's a little too twisty for me to try driving down.
0: I'm just I'm just laying down the road signs. You have to pick <laughs> which ones you follow.
1: Yeah, I I'm gonna try to one build around at a time. I think.
0: Okay. Sure. <laughs>
1: Uh, My number one, again, like the blue cards are all just like kind of speculative and you're just picking and choosing and hoping that you're right here. There's also a ton of like build arounds that certainly don't get there in standard, but are aimed at EDH. There's encroaching Mycosynth, which makes all of your stuff artifacts, which is obviously for over the top doing nonsense in Commander. There's a Icar Moon Gauntlet, which lets all of your planeswalkers proliferate and time walk. That's like one of the most expensive cards in the set. Yeah, it's just like the purest commander card I've ever seen. My number one is Jace, the Perfected Mind. Two, a blue and a Phyrexian blue. He's completed, so he either costs four and has five loyalty or costs three and has three loyalty. Plus one, until your next turn, up to one target creature gets minus three, minus oh. Minus two target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise you draw a card and minus X target player mills three times X cards. I've seen a couple of people playing with this today. It was not very impressive in decks that weren't like built around this card and the graveyard, but you know, I kind of expected that. I don't think this is very, a very good just like Planeswalker, but I do think it's very good potentially if you're doing graveyard heavy stuff and i really love the fact that it works if your graveyard is alive if there's no rest in peace then it can dump cards into your graveyard and let you do your powerful graveyard stuff if there is rest in peace in play then it can be the kind of mopey planeswalker that will get you some cards and help you limp through a game where like you both have dead cards because they're spending cards on hate and you are getting hated out Um, and i really like that dynamic and that makes me interested in trying this card in various decks that are doing graveyardy stuff yeah i have
0: i have jason number one for the same graveyardy reason i just think the the cheapness of a three mana flexible glimpsey unthinkable (laughs) like you're just just dumping cards into your own graveyard like glimpsey unthinkable has seen play just for card decks that just cared about nothing but cards in their graveyard and Jesus, is a halfway point between a card that literally does nothing but put cards in your graveyard. And the uh, I can do that. And also, you know for a little extra mana or for some life, I can do other stuff. And I think that puts it over the top a little bit for me. I don't think he's v- like very strong. I think he's extremely niche, but it's a niche that right. didn't have any flexible cards in it before.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he, he does a a solid impression of a glimpse without always being a glimpse. And that that feels like something that I want kind of speculative. It might not pan out at all, but I, like the thing that I'm thinking of is I opened one. I got th- three prize packs for my RCQ this weekend. I think just kind of like gave everybody three set boosters, I think, which was pretty nice of them. I wasn't expecting to get anything for missing top eight. And then I opened I just opened the packs because they're set boosters, so they're not really good for drafting or whatever. And I got uh, an Elish Norn and a Jace Perfected Mind, which were pretty good for three packs. Yeah. And so I looked them up. Elish Norn like forty dollars. Jace is only like five or six bucks right now. I think that going ahead and buying some Jaces is a decent hedge because maybe you're out twenty dollars, or maybe you don't have to spend hundred and twenty dollars on a set of these for your Phoenix deck or whatever. When because it is a mythic rare
0: yeah it doesn't the prayer. kenny went to that same rcq and he opened his set boosters and he says why is there yavin maya barbarian in my pack because <laughs> of the list
1: <laughs> red green tutu two, two, protection from blue
0: yeah
1: yeah the list is really weird i don't i don't really understand why some of the cart a lot of the cards that are on the list are on the list. Do we really need to get more Yavamaya Barbarians into circulation? I
0: guess. I, 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 that one surprised me for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, when you're giving Azusa's into the world, that makes sense to me. But, like, commons from Shift, like What?
1: <laughs> I would say put only the good ones in there and then make them, get them distributed through the packs at, you know, the ratio that you want. <laughs> Opening up some weird draft common from Ten years ago is not a compelling that's pack like a experience ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah
0: uh, my blue list is incredibly similar. The only card we had different was I did not have Minds boy Apparatus, which I kind of regret because it's kind of sweet.
1: but it seems like a you kind of card, honestly. I've been
0: burned too many times before.
1: <laughs> that's fair. Let it prove itself a little bit and then you can become the authority on the deck.
0: Uh, Serum Snare is what I put at number four, which is one in a blue for an un. Uh, what is it? Disperse effect? Or turn target land permanent. But if it's permanent had meta value of three or less, you proliferate. And this is because I love proliferating. <laughs> and this is just, you know, a role-playing card that has prolif- a cheap proliferate just kind of tacked on. So if there's something we can do with a board setup that proliferate would be good in, this is a card that is proliferating sure. basically for free
1: makes sense to me i'm not mad about it
0: but i, I went that route instead of mind blast apparatus all right black cards so for number five black was kind of weird because i think there's a lot of really good cards in black but they're really
1: situational yeah they're all vi- for very specific purposes but it's a lot of like the best version of that thing we've ever had
0: so for number five i put vraska vraska betrayals sting four black and a black phyrexian for a six loyalty planeswalker, or if you paid five mana for it, for loyalty. Uh, zero, draw a card, you lose one life, proliferate, so it's basically a plus one. Pro- proliferate, again, I love the mechanic. <laughs> Still holding out hope that we can tumble
1: bang down our way to victory or whatever. I mean, I think that, that, that zero is pushing you to create like a super friends you know the more planeswalkers you can jam in a deck with vraska then that proliferate ability becomes like really good
0: sadly the cheapest planeswalker is what jace and jace does not work very well with vraska
1: liliana is standard legal that's true
0: liliana is standard legal forget about her mostly because the format has pushed her out
1: (laughs) Has really gone a different way Yeah, yeah yeah
0: anyway sorry you can read the rest of the card uh minus two just turns a creature into a treasure token uh, and it loses all its abilities and card types but the card is still like on the table so like if you get right. their shieldred they can i don't know Shieldred's is probably a bad example because they're not going to play elspeth and then flicker it but that could happen theoretically
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> with whatever yeah because it turns it into an artifact that is flickerable yeah
0: return it to your hand or what have you Mm-hmm. Um, the minus nine which seems irrelevant i don't know why you would ever use this ability uh, if target player has fewer than it, it it makes them have nine poison it puts them yes. to nine poison but it's worded well a very you specific would way.
1: you would use this ability if you have another vraska in your hand you know you yeah, yeah put them at nine and then you proliferate so
0: put them at nine play the other vraska proliferate okay yeah Usually, your six mana planeswalker is ultimate that costs nine loyalty, straight up wins you the game. But this one requires you to have two copies of it, <laughs> or or another card that proliferates. I, we, I've already talked about how much I love experimental agree so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it mostly wins the game, but it also can just do nothing. Sure. Uh, this is just not as good as an Obnixilis type card because this card is air quotes five mana for four loyalty two planeswalker but the two life does add up in a slower board control planeswalker like this so most of the time you want to firmly have control of the game if you're casting her for five mana which usually is you have cast a soldier sh- shield the previous turn <laughs> and it lived yeah <laughs> or they spent all their mana dealing with it and you can afford to pay life. sure sure
1: yeah I I mean and also that minus two is not good if you're under pressure because you know turning their, right turning their creature into a treasure and then they get to cast a removal spell and a creature or two creatures or just slam like the eternal wanderer and play a turn early or something like that is not a good deal for you
0: yeah it's 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 much much worse than just killing the creature outright for a multitude of reasons <laughs> which is why she's kind of low. I I do think she's like a fine mid-range Planeswalker with some good utility, but she does have a lot of asterisks on her.
1: I I think that I'm hesitant to play her as just like a mid-range Planeswalker. I'm more interested in playing her in a deck that is like Planeswalker heavy and like kind of proliferate themed, because what she's doing is kind of bridging that gap there where she's both a proliferate enabler because her zero proliferates and she is a prol- proliferate payoff because she is a planeswalker herself and one that in a proliferate deck actually hitting that ultimate quickly is like fantastic because it is lethal if you have experimental augury and stuff in your deck
0: and she can be good with another card i think is good in super frenzy decks uh the F- elspeth resplendent i think is the streets new capena one Mm-hmm. that's the one that puts permanence into play with shield counters on it and proliferating a shield counter is just is great yeah things <laughs>
1: never gonna die yeah
0: <laughs> it's basically
1: immortal at that point well i mean they just have to deal with it the way you would hope to deal with any creature with a shield counter by exiling it or whatever but yeah i like this is a card that encourages me to play some sort of like blue black deck you know put put some lilianas put both Kaito's in there, whatever, like get lots of Planeswalkers in play, proliferate as much as you can, ultimate something somewhere, maybe ultimate this thing and proliferate onto them. And just along the way, like keep accumulating value and causing problems for your opponents. Um, that's where I'm interested in this is just with as much proliferate stuff as possible.
0: Yeah, I think that could be where she she shines, especially since she herself is a very good proliferate engine, free, free exactly. every turn to do it, or one life every turn to do it. Uh, and speaking of proliferate my number four <laughs> is Drown in Iker. uh one in a black sorcery target creature gets minus four so minus four until end of turn proliferate
1: that's <laughs> just free on there basically
0: yeah it, it, it's grasp in darkness was the standard playable card when removal was a little worse than we have it now uh that was bb instant and going from instant to sorcery is is certainly a big down step especially for removal spells
1: yeah 100 but going from bb to 1b in this format where you just like love playing three colors is a huge upgrade
0: and if you can make the proliferate worth it uh it will often pay you back <laughs> like I, yeah. I i've i feel like i'm just repeating myself because I, I am like proliferate is good if you can do the proliferate stuff Uh, like if you've played a Fable Mirror Breaker and you're proliferating up you have a Planeswalker blah 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 but this is again free proliferate which is the only way I want to pay for proliferate
1: (laughs) yes I I don't want to spend extra mana I will put anticipate in my deck in order to do it but that's as far as I'll go but if it's yeah on my fine two mana removal spell on my Planeswalker and on my anticipate I don't know that's a lot of proliferating and, and you can do some good stuff there
0: yeah, I'm really just waiting for something cheap, a cheap artifact or permanent that s- starts in play that can affect the board that accrues counters. Then we'd be
1: in business. You just want tumble magnet?
0: There is a tumble magnet in this set, but it's four mana. Yeah, uh, that's to- a lot. Tamio's worse. a mobilizer. It's a lot worse, and I, I don't also don't think tumble magnet really cuts it I, in this I day and age. I don't think it would either. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be cool with something that slowly piles up to put a blocker into play or something. I don't. I don't know. Mm. Anything that impacts the board, I can convert counters into board presence. That's a wish list for you know me designing the next set.
1: <laughs> I want to make a creature out of these oil counters. Yeah, please. <laughs> Just one oily boy.
0: Uh, so my number three is Black Sun's Twilight. Uh, this is a yet another situational card. Uh, Xb instant this time. Up to one target creature gets minus X minus X. till end of turn, if X is five or more, you can. R- Uh, return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped with mana value x or less so this is the the shieldred mirror breaker basically you kill Shieldred with it and you get yours back
1: great so this is a great deal
0: yep it it doesn't work because it's not a very good removal spell on a case-to-case basis like you're always paying more than with a creature you're killing which is a bad deal for removal spells but as long as you are also getting back a creature which means it's six mana or more then it starts being a good deal you can really break open mid-range mirrors like that
1: yep and i mean you can often afford to overpay one by a mana like once per game and you make up for it later so it's like this is an acceptable way like yeah it cost me three mana to kill this two drop but that's I you know I'll make up for it later yeah it uh, not being
0: dead before six mana is right. ideal <laughs> like yes. if I could make this card always cost six mana it would be much worse of course
1: <laughs> but th- that that makes it so you can play like two copies of this in your deck and then yeah. when you draw this medium removal spell in the late game and get to kill any creature that they have and get your shielded back then you're very glad this wasn't another Doomblade type thing
0: yeah exactly it's just like the swing turn is really big with this card. Uh,
1: makes yeah. It
0: makes it kind of worth the the few slots it takes into your deck if that's how you choose oh, to beat up on the,
1: the A lot of games that look really bad will look just fine after top decking a Black Sun's Twilight.
0: Yeah. Uh, my number two is Archfiend of Dross. This is the large creature. Uh, 2BB, 6-6 Demon with Flying. and just about with four oil counters on it. At the B real Cube you have to take one off. And if you can't Or then if it has no oil counters on it, you lose the game. Uh, And, if that's not enough, whenever a creature (laughs) opponent controls dies, its controller loses 2 life.
1: Yeah, this kills them really fast.
0: Yeah, 6-6 flyers are no joke. This doesn't have trample, so you can chump block it, I guess, with your flyers.
1: flying blockers. (laughs) Bitter Blossom in this set does not make creatures that fly or that can block. block. Yeah.
0: So, this is going to kill them real fast. They have to deal with it. Uh, It does get little incidental value with the the creatures they die pings them for two. Uh, that's some pretty good incidental value, but I don't think this like passes the metric of is shielded. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's a hard bar to clear. Yeah.
1: No, and I love this card. I think it is very powerful, but it didn't make my list just because I'm like, do you actually put any copies of this into a deck until you already have like four Shieldreds in that deck? I, I don't know if you do.
0: Yeah, that's, The problem with the card is that Shieldred exists, and Shieldred's so powerful. Yeah, it's kind of rough because also if your opponent plays a Shieldred and you have this card in play, it's suddenly a lot easier to have time to deal with it because you are gaining at least two life a turn, Mm -hmm. which offsets the the huge clock this card offers,
1: and probably more because the first time you play a Shieldred deck and then you realize like oh like all of these cards gain me life when I have a Shieldred in play. I didn't even realize that this was happening. I mean Six X Flyer with that that triggered ability still kills you pretty quick, but Shieldred But it does might give you a whole poorly.
0: turn, you know? Right. Like Shieldred may give you a whole turn to find another removal spell to deal with it. Yeah, This card doesn't do anything but damage. So if you don't have enough damage to cross the finish line because of Shieldred, Shieldred's effectively
1: countered your negating card. it. Yeah. I do think this card is really big, really powerful, like the best of the four mana six, six team is that we've seen but it may be just outmoded in that slot these days
0: sad times all right my number one is a card that i was low on last week but i am a lot higher on now uh, which is on uh, executioner nice thing.
1: that's my number one too
0: nice uh it's one b for two two legendary phyrexian vampire whenever one more creatures you control die each opponent loses two life and you gain two life this ability only triggers once per turn i just vastly underestimated how much damage exchange this is it's huge it's a lot yeah and it's so cheap is is like the main thing mm-hmm. uh, i kind of laughed at it being a grizzly bear but this is a grizzly bear that does like so much damage uncontested it's kind of ridiculous
1: yeah. and gains you a lot of life like your opponent can't race this like they have to kill it and on a two drop that's like a that's fine i mean the, the problem is if you're playing a deck that otherwise doesn't really have creatures that die to fatal push or cut down or whatever that that matter but like still this is a two drop that they have to kill or they're gonna lose to it and it's built around it there are
0: so many unimpactful two drops especially in black mm-hmm. in both standard and pioneer that this card having such a huge presence on the game for your other creatures like your other board makes it worth the inclusion despite just kind of being a 2-2, they can Fatal Push. Yeah. Like, it, with something like Only Cult Anvil or anything to that effect, it just gets out of hand so fast.
1: Yeah, you're you're casting Soul Feast every turn if you're doing this right. Like, that's incredible. They will be dead, and they will not be able to kill you. I, I think this is just really powerful, as long as you can build a deck that, that works with it.
0: Yeah. it. It also kind of feeds itself, because the, the life it gains you, the two life per creature Mm -hmm. or per trigger i guess is gives you enough time to just set up more triggers to give you more time and they can't just like take two forever
1: no yeah no they have to kill this and you probably can find some room in your deck for i don't know like in in pioneer we could play like claim to fame or something just things that make it easy to like i want to and play like i'm gonna make it happen
0: yeah i i'm pretty big on this card now i i like him still situational because got... we don't get unsituational cards in the set <laughs> but
1: very good where he shines oh we've got can't stay away as well to oh, sure. help keep this in play i think you know there's yeah I, I like this card a lot uh for my black cards my number five is phyrexian arena you know i had to put my boy on there
0: i yeah, see cool. i excluded reprints
1: yeah okay that's fair but it's been so long it's been 20 years
0: (laughs) 20 years for a forex area but only 10 for yavimaya barbarian
1: well i i wasn't (laughs) so i was using 10 years as an example because i've seen other people be like what what is this card and it's always something just like some random thing from many years ago but yes you my barbarian also 20 years ago <laughs> Frexian arena an honorary new card because it's it's been a while homie it does the thing it costs three mana it draws you cards it may we may be past the era where this is acceptable but if you can put enough cheap interactive stuff in your deck then this could do it I know we talked about how it can be tough like how many arenas do you play you don't want to draw two but you you really want to draw the first one in your arena deck so it it's tough. I. I'm still kind of into it. Anyway, uh, I still number- have the I still have the caveat
0: of Shieldred's still a card in this format, and it's really <laughs> tough to play
1: against Shieldred with Rexy right out. Oh yeah, but it's really nice to play with Shieldred. Yeah, with I mean you're right gonna now.
0: do that right because you're playing black. But yeah, really.
1: <laughs> uh, you put one card that costs black black in your deck. You're gonna put a bunch of Shieldred in your deck. That's just how it works.
0: That's just deck building 101.
1: Yes, Shieldred is good. That's like lesson one of standard. Uh, my number four is Annihilating Glare. This is black for sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, pay four or sacrifice an artifact or creature, destroy target creature or planeswalker. You know, we've seen versions of this before but this just becomes more generous over time as they print <laughs> new versions of it. Uh, I mean Spark Harvest could kill a creature or a planeswalker and it exiled so that was really nice. But you can sacrifice an artifact for its cost and that you know we saw how relevant that was on deadly disputes the ability to sacrifice an artifact often means sacrificing like almost nothing in a deck with treasure food whatever in it and uh, a deck like that that wants some cheap removal spells that also can be synergistic with your stuff annihilating glare is an option for those decks and it's a really good version of this effect
0: Yep, I don't I don't really have any complaints. I've played with Bone Splinters and constructed before, and this card is yep. much better
1: than that. You never have to do that again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I uh what was the It wasn't Bone Splinters, it was the the Modern Horizons version of the card,
1: Bone Shards.
0: Bone Shards, yeah.
1: That one's pretty good. Being able to discard a card instead of doing that let see gives you access to all kinds of stuff. I
0: will admit I didn't really have anything to do with the discard a card part. I, it was it was merely a sacrifice
1: outlet <laughs> sure <laughs> my number three is black sun's twilight my number two is the, the third removal spell on my <laughs> list of black cards uh shieldred's edict this sure is one of black instant choose one each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature each opponent sacrifices a creature token or each opponent sacrifices a planeswalker this is pretty much the best edict we've ever seen and it Puts enough ingredients together that it becomes, you know, where most edicts are kind of specialty removal spells for dealing with specific problems. This is no longer that. The fact that it will kill a real creature, they can't sacrifice a wedding announcement token in order to save their guy, it'll kill an actual cardboard creature that they spent mana and a card on or it will kill a planeswalker that's enough to make it pretty good and then it will have specialty uses for killing merit lage tokens and your your Lage is going to die if your opponent has a shielded edict and so relevant in older formats and also i think just pretty good uh good enough to play in standard, because there's going to be a lot of planeswalkers running around, and being able to go two mana kill your planeswalker with my removal spell that otherwise is fine against a two mana three mana creature uh, is is that's just a good card.
0: Yeah, I think this is
1: the best edict they've printed ever.
0: Mm-hmm. I did not make my list because I think edicts are a little hard. It's to- also boring yeah it's hard to utilize i think nowadays but the like the sheer number of moves this card has yeah. i think if you're in the business of you want a black card to kill planeswalkers that also can do literally anything else this <laughs> is a very good option
1: and then my number one is Vron executioner Thane. this this he's a good dude he drains a lot of life i'm excited to see what he does he will kill you yep <laughs> uh my red list
0: yeah take it away so this red was by far the hardest (laughs) like it had the least applicable cards Uh, now
1: you you messaged me about this saying like i'm struggling to find red cards before you had done that i put this note on my google doc that says not a very inspiring group of red cards
0: we're finally paying for our sins from like the last few sets of red cards where i mean just last set alone we had bitter reunion (laughs) which was incredible
1: (laughs) what a card what a design and now we have oh god uh, yeah these are sketchy vindictive flamestoker made my list at number five this is a red for one two Frexian wizard whenever you cast a non-creature spell put an oil counter on vindictive flamestoker six and a red sacrifice it discard your hand then draw four cards this ability costs one less to activate for each oil counter on vindictive flamestoker not a great card, but again, this text is non-creature spell, not like instant or sorcery. So if you're casting sagas and planeswalkers and stuff, you know, this just comes down on turn one, whereas payoffs for this generally like cost two mana for these like count the spells that you play while while it's in play. And, you know, you cast a turn one and then you just like play magic as normal and your opponent probably has to kill your one mana creature or they... Are going to get outcarded pretty heavily. That is neat. It's a very mediocre top deck until it you get to like really long games where like oh yeah okay <coughs> I'll pay eight mana to draw four cards here. Uh, so that that's definitely the weakness of this card, and it doesn't give you any sort of immediate payoff the way cards like Third Path Iconoclast do, where you actually get something for the spell. You may be unable to convert it, but it's cheap and kind of threatening and the red cards are pretty bad so this made the list
0: yeah i i took a weird route of for top five red cards it just didn't have five red cards
1: <laughs> that's fair it's <That's> probably <laughs> the the better route
0: this did not make the list because i tried to keep it only to cards i thought would be slightly playable and i think that all of this card has a lot of words on it yes it just like doesn't do enough
1: yeah so my number four card is also not the most inspiring thing in the world. This is blazing crescendo. One in a red for an instant. Target creature gets plus three plus one until end of turn. <laughs> Exile the top card of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. I mean, we don't play pump spells in constructed. This one does give you a card out of it. So if you are doing some prowess stuff, you're getting some triggers. This the I don't know. Maybe wins you combat. Maybe deals some damage. I I don't know. It's it's not good, certainly, but you can cast it on like a monastery swift spear or whatever. I really
0: like this card limited.
1: Yeah, it's really good and limited.
0: Unless your treat creature trade up like really hard and you get your card back.
1: Yeah. That's
0: about the best place yeah. to see it. <laughs>
1: I'm really not hoping to cast it in Constructed, for sure. Uh not hoping to cast my number three card either, which is Sulphum Mayhem Dominus. 2 Red Red, 5-4 Legendary Creature Phyrexian Horror. If source you control would deal non-combat damage to an opponent or a permanent and opponent controls. It deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. And it has 1 and 2 Phyrexian Red mana. Discard 2 cards. Put an indestructible counter on Solfum, Mayhem, Dominus. I have seen people compare this to Hazoret, which is one of the more mind-boggling comparisons I've ever seen. I think it's just the fact that it is a 5-4 and has the word indestructible on it. But Hazoret just is indestructible. You didn't have to discard two cards to make that happen. Hazoret also murdered your opponent. This thing only doubles non-combat damage, which is not a very helpful thing to double. Certainly not that compelling compared to doubling your T- token production so i don't i, I don't want to put this card in my red deck don't you can't make me do it
0: i think four drops in red decks like the damage oriented they have drops to have like haste one,
1: they have to kill them that turn
0: they basically have to yeah they have to have haste or they have to deal damage the turn that you play them like Torbrun. torburn doesn't have haste but he certainly deals damage the turn you play him
1: <laughs> yes yep so Now we get to the two red cards that I actually will put into decks that I've All right, all right, cool. We made it. Number two is Capricious Hellraiser. Three, red, red, red. Four, four, flying, Phyrexian dragon. This spell costs three less to cast if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard. When it enters the battlefield, exile three cards at random from your graveyard. Choose a non-creature, non-land card from among them and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. It is weird to figure out how to enable this card so that it costs three mana and also gives you something decent. But honestly, i it's not as hard as you might think. I watched Aspiring Spike's stream today was entirely dedicated to trying to make Capricious Hellraiser work. And honestly, even in modern, like the card just kind of looked fine. It didn't always do exactly what you wanted to do, but it was doing a bunch of like really cute stuff and being pretty powerful and being a 4-4 flyer for three mana that at least netted a card, if not like uh, casting goblin lore or something and just doing a bunch of shenanigans. So I, you know, I'm into this card. It's It's an exciting thing to be able to cast, and I'm probably... Leaning towards like trying to recast sagas and stuff with it in smaller formats, but you know, you get a lot of value as long as you have a decent number of the nine cards in your graveyard are non creature spells, you're very likely to hit. And as long as you do, then I think it's very strong. I didn't see it miss for him a single time when I was watching his stream, and that's that's a start, I feel like. No,
0: yeah, I. It is good that it lets you, the first time I read this card, I think I mis misread it. I thought everything was random, like the cards you exiled were random and the cards you get is random, but it's, it just exiles three random cards and you get to pick which one you play, So, which makes it a lot better than what I had previously thought.
1: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, okay.
0: But that said, I still don't like this card. It is...
1: It, right, it's got that fundamental tension with itself, for sure
0: right i don't like that you have to exile cards out of your graveyard and you don't get them back so that the next copy you play mm-hmm. it could just be six mana that really hurts it's also triple red which is yes. not my favorite mana cost in the world
1: you got to be heavy red
0: yeah and then you have to have ways like you're just jumping through too many hoops for me yeah and i wish but- it were a little bigger could this card not be a little bigger like, I get that I'm asking for, like, a 5-5 five five
1: Moldrifter or whatever, but <laughs> that's what I want. I mean, that's not too far outside the going rate these days. Exactly. <laughs> no, I I hear that. I get all of that. But I I think that it just kind of is pretty good. If nothing else, like, I want to cast every version of Goblin Dark Dwellers or Torrential Gearhulk or whatever and this is one of those and so i'll spend... say this
0: is a version of that card so yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> i will spend a lot of effort trying to make this card work and nobody can stop me
0: it's good with jace you can jace cards into your graveyard jace goes into the graveyard you can recast the jace you can start ancestraling
1: yeah perfect <laughs> yeah. sure
0: <laughs> i'm just putting options out there
1: i mean there is a 100% chance that I will play a Jace Capricious Hellraiser deck on ladder and try to make it work. Like, yeah, of course. Like, this is just guaranteed to be happening within the next week.
0: Well, good luck for that week.
1: Thanks. It'll be fun. I'll enjoy myself. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. That's, th- it's always the best part of standard when you just like jam a bunch of random new cards.
1: Yeah. Are they, they all say graveyard on them. Like, you know.
0: What could go wrong?
1: I- I'm just enjoying myself here. Uh, my number one red card is exuberant fuseling this is red for a zero one trample it gets plus one plus O oh for each oil counter on it when it enters the battlefield and whenever another creature or artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield put an oil counter on exuberant fuseling i mostly see this as a way for sacrifice decks to have a one drop that deals damage which often is hard to come by and can start hitting them very hard very quickly and demand some sort of answer Uh, i think this deals a lot of damage in any sort of cat oven or uh, oni cult anvil deck and just is a, a a one mana card that probably hits them for a little bit at first but could just like jump up to ridiculous heights anytime your one drop starts having like five power regularly like that's really scary it's a bad ravenous squirrel but ravenous squirrel's Squirrels messed up (laughs) really good
0: it's a pioneer legal bad ravenous squirrel right because ravenous squirrel does not exist Uh, and should not i kind of like it in modern i think it's a cool card there's it it is cool in modern. in modern.
1: It was very messed up in that historic Lurus yeah, Cat Oven deck. It's really messed up there. <laughs>
0: okay. So we got Fuseling. That was number one, right?
1: Yeah, that was my number one. That's that's my best card. A eh? one red mana, zero, one trample. That's the best red card in the set. I'm, and I'm like pretty confident that's the best red card in the set. That was good because that's my number one red card in the set. <laughs> <That's so> great. <laughs> that, that it definitely is. <laughs>
0: I, I have. I guess I have two more actually. I didn't match any of the cards you talked about other than the Firelink and <laughs> the Fusing. Shrapnel Stinger, I had it number X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a one in a red two two artifact creature for Beast. When it enters the battlefield, you can sacrifice a creature. When you do, destroy an artifact, destroy target artifact and opponent controls. Uh, so this is a shatter that also can be a creature that works in sacrifice strategies uh, yeah. as a sideboard card because sure. it is a shatter. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't hate that. Right. If you want a creature version of a sacrifice effect or of a shatter effect. Yeah.
0: It's also an artifact. So it works with only Coltanville. Just tiny little sideboard options that you have available to you and all of the glorious red cards in the set. Yeah.
1: All right. I'm, I'm like fine with it. It, it's a shadow that puts a counter on your exuberant fuseling
0: yeah exactly
1: it's like mostly a worse ingature, but we're we're Ingature is not available in all the formats yeah
0: then i've got cacophony scamp is my last red card Mm -hmm. Uh, this is another one drop creature phyrexian goblin warrior very similar to exuberant fire (laughs) fuseling (laughs) (laughs) so really the phyrexian goblin warriors are where this set really hits a stride uh, it's a one one whenever it deals combat damage to a player you can sacrifice it if you do proliferate when cacophony Scamp dies it deals damage equal to its power to any target so for once i do not like this card because it can proliferate <laughs> i just like this card because people are trying to build hammer with this card as like a combo finish uh, and it is kind of neat because even if you don't it's kind of got like that turn to Kemba strategy where if you can equip a hammer if you can equip a hammer to this card uh you have an 11 11 and then they do have to kill it or they're just being in the abyss forever and once they kill it it 11s them even if you don't connect any if you do connect they're just dead
1: yeah that seems fine to me i don't know if that's going to be a deck or not but if it is this card makes a lot of sense in there
0: yeah i think it could be hard at least before the deck gets iterated a bunch to even set that up like there is the the combat trick from Battle for Zendikar that equips a warrior uh, with an equipment you control, and this card is a warrior, but that card mm-hmm. kind of sucks in general. <laughs> yes. So who knows how that'll end up happening? I think if you just have Sigarda's aid, Cacophony Scamp does not work very well. So it will definitely be like an iterative thing, but it is definitely a like a It's a man's... big. It's
1: a great creature to put a hammer onto. Yeah.
0: Exactly. If you can manage to put a hammer onto it, it is. However, a you're incredible. doing it. And then the proliferated text, you can just straight up ignore. Yep. Okay, those are the red cards I had. <laughs> Great. Fine. Let's move on to the green ones then. All right. Green. I've got number five Tyrannix Rex. This is a seven mana, triple green, eight, eight Phyrexian Dinosaur can't be countered trample toxic Four, ward Four, and haste cards just big <laughs> it's really big it's a big control hate card uh not super it's not carnage tyrant it's not expert like you can gill it through the ward often about time, by the time you cast this they'll they're gonna have open mana and a doom blades only six mana to this card seven mm-hmm. but if you're doing other stuff if they tapped sorcery speed this is a very good
1: punisher because it does have haste so it can come over and hit whatever it needs to i'm i'm super into it this is actually my number 1 green card despite me being like kind of low on it when we talked about it just cuz like It doesn't automatically kill your control opponent. Ward is different from Hexproof. But the reason that it rose so much in my rankings is just as I considered, like, how many Planeswalkers the standard is going to see in play. Because I think we got a, a, a bunch of fine ones in this set. Watching some streams and stuff, I've just seen boards, like, clogged up with Planeswalkers and, you know... Either you could add your own value thing to the board, or you could slam this into play, like barrel in and kill their planeswalker, and then uh, are they gonna be able to answer it? Maybe if they do, it's gonna take their entire turn and you did take out their planeswalker, or you get another turn of attacking with this eight eight trample. And so, if their
0: answer is itself a planeswalker, like uh like the wandering emperor or whatever, it's very right. difficult to to do that with the reward four.
1: Yes you do have to be a deck that is happy to cast seven mana spells which is not a lot of decks but at least you're green and okay. i mean there's a lot of green in the cost of this so you got to be pretty green
0: yeah i i prioritize different cards but i do think turn x rex is I, for like as a to red i think green is a good color whereas mm-hmm. red's cards were like gotta yes. get my Frexian goblin warriors rising to the top here <laughs>
1: no green has cards that make me hopeful that there will be green decks in the standard format because at like leading up to the set there were not green decks in the standard format
0: so number four i've got nissa ascended animist which i am a little lower on than most people but i think it's still a good card this is seven mana for a seven loyalty planeswalker but it's got two phyrexian pips so you can pay six and 2 life for a 5 Loyalty Planeswalker, or 5 and 4 life for a 3 Loyalty Planeswalker.
1: I like that it got its own reminder text. The other completed Planeswalker's reminder text is just like referring to 1, but this one is like, for each, for X of mana, you pay this way. It gets 2 less.
0: So Nissa's plus 1. It makes an XX, where X is her loyalty. Minus 1 destroys an artifact or an enchantment. Minus 7... Is until end of turn, creatures you control get plus one plus one for each forest you control and gain trample. This is just a good top end planeswalker. Uh, I think it's very good at two things. Uh, I, I think this card is a lot better in smaller numbers than like I'm playing four red and sevens. If we're going to make some yeah. creatures, that sort of deal, because four life is such a huge amount of life. You can't just pay that all willy-nilly. Like that's just not right. going to work out. But I think as long as you're comfortable. Playing this as a six or seven mana Planeswalker with the option to sometimes cast it as a five mana Planeswalker, that's Mm. where I like it a lot more. (laughs) Yeah. Because I do think it does the creature production without costing
1: additional mana very, very well. It makes very large creatures for the mana investment you give it. And they're bigger the more mana you pay for it. So that is like a big payoff for paying real mana for it instead of making a four four this turn you're making a six six this turn like that that's a, a a real difference
0: and possibly seven seven the following turn if they can't knock any loyalty off nissa which is hard to attack through because you just made a six six <laughs> right right she also destroys artifacts and enchantments as a minus a minus one so if you play this on six or seven mana make a uh, a creature and she mm-hmm. survives a turn cycle you can just go to town on their <laughs> artifacts and enchantments mm-hmm. while developing your board with your other cards mm-hmm. and very few cards are able to like efficiently do board presence plus handling all the like extra types Nonsense. of cards yeah, yeah. It's a, like kill
1: and, kill a reckoner bankbuster and also be a fine card on its own right
0: yeah and it also stops your opponent from like Getting value off their wedding announcement or their Fable of the Mirror Breaker and just random stuff like that, yeah. you can just take care of while you're playing your cards. And it, the minus one loyalty for this disenchant effect is so cheap. Most planeswalkers that this attacks are like a minus three.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, just, I mean, you're giving up. So, yes, it's a minus one, but you're giving up a lot by doing this, right? Because you're not plusing her and putting no, giant agreed, agreed. Play. So, the but you're only ever going to cost... use it
0: if you have a target for it, you know, yes. a good
1: target, <laughs> right but she can disenchant when you need to disenchant yep
0: do you have anything to say about nissa
1: yeah I mean just like you said I am not really interested in her in these like three color mid-range decks I want to be like a heavy green deck that is getting to higher mana numbers earlier on in the game and is very comfortable casting her as a six or seven mana spell, uh, and particularly because I do want her to threaten like a big overrun with her ultimate. Like I don't want to look at my lands and be like, "Oh, there's two forests in here, and I have two creatures in place, so this doesn't do anything." I want to look at my lands and be like, "This is giving my creatures plus five, plus five, and trample, and like you're and gonna one die." One of them if
0: is a six-six anyway from her ability.
1: Right. Right. And so, like, I, I think that having that ability is a really important part of the power of this card. Uh, so, you, you want to be heavy green. You want to be ramping. But if you are, this is a solid payoff. But you, I think you, it is more specific uh, about what it demands than, than you might think. This is just not a good five mana value planeswalker.
0: My number three and my number two are little role player cards. And my number one, for that matter. But number three is. <laughs> canker bloom this is a one in a green three two phyrexian fungus creature <laughs> with one and sacrifice it to destroy an artifact in enchantment or proliferate uh, mostly this is just a slightly larger the flip werewolf i can't remember the name of right now
1: outland liberator yes outland liberator i
0: wanted to call gaston shepherd but that is not the right <laughs> card
1: <laughs> I think the main advantage of this card is that you don't have to keep track of day-night for the rest of the game after sacrificing it.
0: Yes, that is... It, you're guaranteed in paper just get way fewer uh, GRVs. <laughs>
1: GRVs.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you just aren't adding day-night to the game state. Just put your fungus yes. into play, you're good to go. I'm just uh, it's,
1: just picturing this guy as a like cereal box with just a sticker on it that says now with fewer GRVs. <laughs>
0: You very, very rarely attack with the backside of Outland Liberator anyway. Mostly it just comes into play, and then immediately leaves play.
1: Yeah, uh, but Maybe threat, you'll attack
0: with it sometimes. The threat like of that
1: is good and scary sometimes. I don't know.
0: I agree in theory. In practice, I've never seen the backside attack. Yeah. Not once. You
1: mostly just need to kill whatever the wedding announcement or whatever they put into play.
0: Right. It's a green creature that is able to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so is Kinkerbloom, and it's slightly bigger stats. Yep. Yep. I don't know. This is just another option. Also, Fine I do I, I hate tracking day and night. I had to do it at one paper tournament at Comp REL and it sucked. It was the worst.
1: Yes. It's it's too bad because it's a mechanic that works great on arena, and it's like a way better version. If you're not if you're ignoring the tracking, it is a way better version of how werewolves work, where all of the werewolves are on day or night and you like are controlling it that way without having to like have separate you know and and then have it be like a triggered ability and stuff but yeah the tracking in real life is not fun especially when it's a game where it's not relevant to any other card and you've used up your like it's not great
0: i played my outline liberator i used it i have no other cards Mm -hmm. we're just keeping track of day and night gotta know when to go to sleep
1: if you have any planeswalkers in your deck then this is a solid consideration over Outland Liberator because, like, threatening an ultimate a turn early or whatever as just, uh, I, you don't really have anything that I want to kill more than I want to threaten this ultimate a turn early is, uh, you know, that's a nice upside. In
0: specifically Amulet as well, uh, if you do play this early, you can jumpstart a, an Urza Saga to get you an Amulet. Mm, uh, sure. that That is a slight consideration because you can just float the the Urza Saga banner. Sacrifice this card, proliferate it, and then sack the Urza Saga to go get an amulet yeah. and then start your turn, sure. like your real turn. Uh, that is the one place that it, I found it can be better than Outland Liberator. But again, I mm-hmm. I don't expect that to come up very often. Sure. Just like attacking with, I do you, think it would come up more often than attacking with the backside of Outland Liberator. Probably, but I don't think it would come up at all either.
1: You only board in so many copies of Outland Liberator, so
0: exactly. And you're not likely to play them early and, and so on and so forth. Right, right, right. My um, number two is Armored Scrap Gorger. This is kind of a, a hopeful pick for standard. Armored Scrap Gorger is a one Gs, 0 3 Phyrexian Beast. Uh, I guess plus 3, plus 0, as long as it has three or more oil counters on it. Uh, it taps for one mana of any color. And whenever it becomes tapped, you exile target card from a graveyard and put an oil counter on Armored Scrap Gorger. We talked about this last week. I just, mm-hmm. I really like this card. I don't think it's going to break the world open or anything, but I think no, it's, a,
1: but it's a nice version of this effect.
0: It's a very solid role player. It honestly probably should have been a lower my list because of that. But I think it's a nice card that I would enjoy seeing in standard because I really enjoy it when standard has these two mana mana dorks that tap for any color of mana. And this yeah. one has a lot of text on top of that.
1: And the green cards in this set that are, like, kind of compelling, the Nyssa and Tyrann X-Rex, like, demand that you be playing mana acceleration in your deck, and this is one of the ways to do that.
0: It is a little awkward drawing late, but that's every mana dork. At least it can have some utility.
1: Yeah, it still, like, can eat their graveyard. It also, like, the third counter you can get by attacking with it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it, it gets there a little faster than you might think on first read.
0: Unless your opponent also has an artwork scrap gorger, then you attack with it and they can exile the card those, to the target. <laughs> those limited
1: games that I've seen are really funny where the like the scrap gorger is holding off you know, you're each holding the other ones off of becoming three power.
0: Yeah, it's very cute, but also very frustrating.
1: Yeah, like not a great thing to have come up very often.
0: It's wild that it's not up to one target card from a graveyard. It's just you gotta eat something. You gotta to the you gotta get a card. All right. Uh, my number one is Green Sun's Twilight. I guess because I love amulet cards. This is X and a G for a sorcery. Reveal the top X cards plus one of your library. Choose a creature card and a land card or and a slash or a land card from among them. Put those cards into your hand. The rest are of are on your library. If X is five or more, put them into play instead. Uh, I've already seen this card actually be played in amulet. Uh, I'm not sure if it's <laughs> the list I saw was just straight up playing four, which was wild. <laughs> I that's, don't think it's quite that that's
1: good. For a, like a large portion of the game, it's like one or two mana draw a card. So
0: yeah, but it it is a a decent spell to put in your end yeah. deck because it does dig you deep for lands you care about and the titan. Okay, uh, when it's not just putting them into play, because sure. oftentimes you can end up in situations where you are bottlenecked on actual titans. Yeah. And this does help you find some. It also can find the cultivator classes too. Like it's not just, I mean, any creature that's big, but getting that and like an Urza saga to start making constructs also good. Sure.
1: Yeah. I, I, especially just because like nowadays there are lands that get you like the fact that it can dig you towards Urza saga, which gets you amulet or it can dig you towards a card. will talk about uh later Mycosynth gardens which can also become an amulet you know there's just like obviously amulet as a deck has lands that are good hits but now it has lands that are literally amulets and so that sort of digging becomes really powerful yeah i could definitely see this as just a really strong addition to that deck i think amulet especially given the Mycosynth garden addition uh that is a deck that has the potential to start becoming really really scary and modern
0: yeah i I quite like Amulet if and when people start playing a bunch of Microsynth Gardens, then people will start playing a bunch of Mark Tide, and then we'll have to see where we go from there. But, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great, though. A little churn. That's totally fine. Probably the most heavily, at least in our area, the most heavily played deck being Rakdos Scam, and that also being a Blood Moon deck has its own like fair share of, of things going on there. But Amulet can beat Blood Moon. Hopefully.
0: Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got scammed this weekend. I easily won my three non-scam matches, and I brutally lost my two scam matches at the RCQ. So I, you know, feel feeling a little biased against that deck at the moment.
0: It's a very polarizing deck sometimes, where it feels like it can be really hard if you're not playing the right strategy. <laughs> like if you're playing yeah. a strategy they're good against you. Oof. Yep. They they do not give you very much time.
1: They really don't. And those are my green cards. All right. Um. Mine are. Uh, I had some different ones. Uh, my number five is, well, I just wanted to say I'm not a, a rot priest believer. Um, that card didn't make my list certainly not either. a rot
0: priest believer. It's, it's not even not on my list. It's like at the bottom of list I think's not good at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. I just like don't think that it's going to get there and it didn't make my list either. It just seems unlikely to me that it actually works out, but power to everyone that is trying to do things with it. I I salute you and support your quest.
0: And if you find something busted, let me know because I would yeah. love to be proved wrong. Again, big proliferate it's, fan here. <laughs> love poison <boys> counters. <laughs>
1: it's a co- it's a cool design. I you know like the concept behind it, but uh, I just don't really think we're gonna be killing anybody with poison counters in standard anytime yeah. soon
0: or other formats.
1: I, I and I'm really not trying to play a ground drift storm deck <laughs> either. My number five is Thrun Breaker of Silence. So 5-mana, five 5-5, five, five. can't be countered, trample, can't be the target of non-green spells or abilities from your opponents, and as long as it's your turn, Thrun has Indestructible. If you need Thrun, you'll know. I like that he is like a 5-mana option if you don't want to go up to like Tiernax Rex for this kind of like hexproofy threat. He is just not blockable, so I do see him in like as an option in some like mid-rangey battles where like if your opponent plays a planeswalker but you have a Thrun like they can't protect their planeswalker against this 5-5 indestructible trample and they probably don't have ways of killing him stuff like you know if they're going up to the eternal wanderer obviously like that is not the case but if we're playing against like a Grixis deck with a bunch of Planeswalkers in it. I don't know what they do against this card. So there, there are spots where it will be good, and there are decks that it will be like a Colossipede against. So pick, pick your spots. I, I don't have much more to add to that.
0: Thrun is a very situational role playing card, yep. but I do want to comment on Thrun's flavor, mm-hmm. which is that there's just another troll in this set. Like, where did this troll come from? <laughs> Wasn't Thrun the last troll? <laughs>
1: He well, I guess he was a. Like, he's no longer called the last troll, so it's not like. But where did this one come from? <laughs> I mean, people are planeswalking to Phyrexia, so maybe somebody brought a, tr- a troll along with them or something.
0: Okay, I guess they just dropped a troll off because that's something they could
1: do and wanted to yeah, in their planeswalker <laughs> minivan.
0: Yeah, oil gorger troll. Here you go, Thran. You have a buddy now.
1: I mean, the the Phyrexians have like working portals now, right? So.
0: I believe they only work for
1: non-organic material. Oh, okay. Of well, which a troll who knows?
0: is certainly organic.
1: <laughs> S- somebody, the the weatherlight has been completed. Maybe the weatherlight can planeswalk again.
0: Maybe I, all all of this work just to bring one troll one, to press Just Just bring one
1: troll. <laughs> <laughs> this place wasn't complete without it.
0: No pay hey, puns. <laughs>
1: My number four is Evolving Adaptive, which is like kind of a reprint, but technically not. Uh, one green for a zero zero. 0 enters the battlefield with an oil counter on it, gets plus one plus one for each oil counter on it. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature has greater power or toughness than Evolving Adaptive, put an oil counter on Evolving Adaptive. There are just going to be decks that want an Experiment 1 and that's a really good effect for like a green stompy deck that wouldn't have been able to start with a one mana creature otherwise and now has this one mana creature that like becomes a three three or a four four because those are the size of creatures that you're playing in your deck and that's a lot of value for a one mana dude
0: no yep i mean this is experiment one mostly it is just going to be good for decks that want it i i will say that the last times i saw someone play with experiment 1 both times it was killed and Ned regeneration was not attempted
1: so this card could be <laughs> functionally identical <laughs> <laughs> oh dear the regenerating versus supreme verdict was like a real thing like
0: I, I don't know whether it's uh it's probably like the the players i was watching just like uh, yeah of course but It just did not even try to regenerate. I was like, all right, this is weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My number three is Nyssa Ascended Animist. You know, we're going to be ramping in green. I think it's the main good thing that you can do, despite evolving adaptive being on this list. I don't think the like stompy creatures are there yet. Uh, it's kind of a speculative pick. So Nyssa is higher on the list because I think we are ramping in green if we're playing green decks. My number two is actually Rustvine Cultivator. Uh, this is one green for a 1-2. Frexian Elf Druid. Tap, put an oil counter on it. Tap, remove an oil counter from Rustvine Cultivator. Untap, target land. Not a super powerful card, but it is very cheap. It is, you know, a slow elf that in its very basic form, can let you play a 4-drop on turn 3. But also, if you have lands that do more stuff, like Hope Tender, untapping a land when you have Lotus Field in play is very powerful. This is potentially a way that, you know, instead of having a 2-drop in your deck, like, your curve of cast this on turn 1, and then on turn 2, you still get to play your Sylvan Scrying, and then on turn 3, you get to untap your Lotus Field that you played that turn. Kind of into that. And I think there are spots for this card, and also maybe just in standard, it's good enough because you can play it on turn one and you can't play any other ramp spell on turn one.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> often in the Lotus Field decks, too, you just don't have anything to do on turn one, just right? Like have a Grazer or nothing,
1: yeah. And now you could have more Grazer ish. Well, this, this is, is not great, <laughs> <It's> but <bad. laughs> it does get your Lotus Field working earlier, and that's that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it also does the little insulation thing where against decks with Damping Sphere, you don't mm-hmm. want to play your your Lotus Fields out because if you play them and they Damping
1: Sphere, you, you're just dead. You just got double stone rained, yeah.
0: So the only way to like play around that, the only way you can play around it is if they don't have it quite in time and then you play a Lotus Field and untap it with your creatures and go off sure. in the same turn. That's the only way you can get around with that so having like a little cheaper option is something worth looking at I don't know if it beats out the current uh hope tender because that does have a utility of untapping two lands and not being as slow as this card but we'll see yeah
1: I mean right like this card is slower to work from the turn that it gets into play but it also gets into play on turn one using mana that you probably weren't using otherwise so
0: Right, if you have it on turn 1 this card's way better. No no questions. It's just that if you don't have it on turn 1, you're going to want to spend yeah. your turns like you're not going to take a turn off to play this card rather than play a two mana
1: card that tries to find a lotus field. So Right. Drawing this on turn 2 is pretty atrocious, yeah.
0: Right. So that's kind of my hesitancy in in lotus field specifically. Yeah. Uh in standard there's a yeah, much lower might just be bar what you for want. one drops. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're doing like any amount of just like incidental proliferating. Like, say you're playing like a green black version of the like planeswalker heavy deck or whatever, and you like use this to get a Vraska out early, and then this just like keeps getting. It I just guess it's free maybe proliferation. The... Yeah, I guess maybe if you used your oil counter to cast the Vraska and then you don't have any oil counters on this, you can't proliferate onto it, so that's like not the best. But, you know, if you have any just whatever proliferation in your deck, then this turns into a more consistent mana engine, and that's good. You, you
0: also have the option of just putting an oil counter on this instead of untapping a land in the intervening turns between 1 and 5 that you play yes. Vraska. <laughs> yes,
1: any turn that you don't need the mana for it, you get an extra oil counter for for. Saving. For proliferation
0: purposes. For proliferation purposes. But that's that's also like, just icing on top, right? It's not. An yeah, that's part all, of the card.
1: all right, right? And my number one green card is the Tier and X or X. I, you know, whatever. We're gonna kill planeswalkers with it. We're gonna. It's big. Hit people really hard with it. It's big.
0: All right, I only got one category left: multicolor yeah. and such. Yes. And the fast lands are number one slash excluded because they're obviously the best cards in the set
1: uh, right i excluded them they're very important some of them hilariously like ractos best deck in pioneer you probably just don't put any Blackleaf cliffs into your ractos deck but there are decks in pioneer that will be very happy to get fast lands added to them there, there were like a bunch of interesting cards
0: i think there's in... a lot of really cool yeah maybe not strong but build not build around what do i want to say
1: there's just like players interesting. there's like yeah. cards that do a thing that kind of didn't were not things that you could do before so like you know i have a handful of interesting cards that didn't make my list so there's monumental facade which is the card the land that puts an oil counter onto a creature or artifact it comes with two oil counters and taps to put an oil counter onto it if you have stuff that the oil counters are particularly good on and you can support a colorless land then this is doing a lot for a land so i'm I think it's worth keeping an eye on that. There's the Nahiri as a potential addition to hammer-ish decks. The Malira is just a two-mana 3-3 that like does a weird like Safi Eric's Daughter kind of impression. Kaya as a seven-mana just breaker uh, if you need that. But I don't know how many seven-mana cards I want to put in a white-black deck, so it didn't quite make my list, but my list is number five attracts a grand unifier this is three green white blue black seven seven flying vigilance death touch lifelink when etbs reveal the top 10 cards of your library for each card type you can put a card of that type from among the reveal cards into your hand and you put the rest on the bottom of your library you know this is just a small gristle brand it's if that's the effect that you want it's good to reanimate it's good to creativity into uh cheat it out it gives you the cards back and they have to kill it or they will lose to a seven seven flying lifelink
0: yep i mean that's that that says it all i I do think it has a spot in specifically pioneer Mm -hmm. uh, enchanties
1: (laughs) yes enigmatic incarnation it's just a seven that you can get with sacrificing your leyline binding that if they don't kill it they die if they do kill it you're up a couple of cards
0: yeah, you draw three cards, basically a creature, yeah. a land, and an enchantment.
1: <laughs> yeah, so two of them are spells, and that's a pretty good starting place. uh Also, because like every enchantment in your deck is fantastic, if you have Enigmatic Incarnation going, so that's gonna keep you rolling. Uh, my number four is sort of Forge and Frontier. This is a sword, so three to cast, two to equip. Equip creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and from green. Whenever it hits. Your opponent, you exile the top two cards of your library. You can play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. I don't love the way that, like, cast and equip on the same turn, it's hard to get your full value out of the hit. And, you know, that's, like, a main way of dealing damage with swords, especially in standard, is cast it, equip it, hit them with your surprise attacker, get the value out. And with, like, sort of fire and ice, you get all of the value. With this one, you're hoping to hit like two lands in the top or something like that. So you can play them. But this is a powerful potentially recurring source of card advantage. If you've got bodies and you just keep making them these threats, and then that turns into more bodies that you can keep putting the sword onto. I like the way that it works with if you reveal lands, you get to play all of the lands and it is tough to make equipment work. It is especially tough to make equipment work when you also have access to vehicles like, Are you gonna play this over a reckoner bankbuster slot no not really uh in like pioneer are you gonna play it in a uh, like if you already have access to like a sika's chariot like you'd rather play that in a similar slot to this but i think that it's good in matchups where you know, their creatures become very bad at blocking this and where they don't have a lot of instant speed removal to take out the creature you're equipping it to and eat up all of your mana. And the advantage you accrue by hitting them multiple times with this is pretty insurmountable.
0: See, I I really like this card. I mm-hmm. I was low on the equipments. This costs a lot of mana to start using. Mm-hmm. But the, the on-hit you get from it, the two cards, is actually pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, if you hit them... Oftentimes, with like Sword of Fire and Ice and Modern or whatever, uh you hit them with Sword of Fire and Ice. The shock is often meaningless at that point. You just like hit them right. for an extra two damage and then you draw a card. Getting an extra card out of that instead of. Because the protection from blue is much worse than protection from green <laughs> if you're just swapping those. Mm-hmm. And getting an extra card is so much better than getting a shock. uh Just a, a large amount. That's without even encountering that mm-hmm. you.
1: Can play an extra land if you need to. As long as, like, all of your cards are, like, assertive cards, you know? Like, it's it's not, like, removal spells that you want to save for the. you know?
0: Well, I don't think... Yes. Most decks that are playing swords like this do not play a bunch of reactive cards. Right. Like, they will have some, for sure, but most of them are very cheap because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully you could play one off the top if you in, hit in
1: one. In, like... Yeah, standard and pioneer decks. Obviously, like Stoneforge Mystic decks are a completely different like concept of equipment decks. Yeah, than it, in Pioneer, I don't
0: I'm not sure where you'd play this. Mm-hmm. But I could see it being good against something like Gruel. They're sure. just like the boats deck. Because that does seem very hard for them to deal with. Like in multiple regards
1: oh absolutely especially because it works on offense and defense you put yeah. it on a creature it gets there and gets its effect and then you make a blocker that they just can't attack into
0: and if you hit a land and compl- or can play an extra one to alleviate the mana cost of like equipping multiple times a turn it gets mm-hmm. even better for you
1: yeah that becomes pretty free after like one hit pretty much
0: and i don't know and the game just snowballs so far out of control but i don't know exactly what decks are interested in that like i'm not going to play a sword in mono white that's like the premier aggressive deck <laughs> so well where i am mean I trying say to play its sword
1: say gruel becomes very good because now it has a fast land but like this certainly is the card that you want in the mirror
0: that's true yeah that makes the mirror even worse <laughs> uh, also this is a land or like swords are very good with land or worlds
1: that's true it turns them into creatures
0: it alleviates the mana cost. like you can just play a sword on turn two if you have nothing mm-hmm. better And it turns the mana dork into an actual creature that they have to deal with. And forcing your opponent to spend resources on your mana dorks, uh, basically on your schedule is so much better than them just ignoring them because your seventh mana doesn't matter.
1: Honestly, in like, there's a part of me that just is like, do we just want to replace some sky sovereigns with this? Maybe, probably. (laughs) I mean, sky sovereign, fantastic against Rakdos. It, just like does the thing and obviously if you put this into play and they just have the instant speed removal spells to kill your stuff you're trying to equip it to then that is a problem but if you do successfully equip this against Rakdos and land a hit they're in a lot of trouble so you just got to find your opening and this is way better against like mono green than sky sovereign is they can't block the creature with their cavalier of thorns you just are getting in for your damage and that's it's pretty no. good to just be able to make something unblockable against the green deck. Yeah, I,
0: I like this card. And now that I'm thinking about it more in the, with land or Elves in mind, I think that's probably the best place to put it in Pioneer. Sure. Uh, like any Llanowar Elf deck that's trying to be proactive. Not mono green, but like I, an right. attacky one.
1: Yeah, I, I'm in for this card. I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I think that this might just they might have made a sword that I want to play in current day Magic the Gathering
0: yeah this one's got really good abilities the grain swords are all pretty nice
1: yep Uh, my number three is tablet of completion two mana artifact tap put an oil counter on it tap add a colorless activate only if tablet of completion has two or more oil counters on it and one tap draw a card activate only if tablet of completion has five or more oil counters on it I think that this works really well in non green decks that want to cast some like six mana spells if you're casting farewell in particular or the eternal wanderer i think this really helps you get there Uh, and i think that probably you're really motivated to play a couple proliferate cards in your deck to just help scoot this along a little bit
0: yeah this is the one card where it's like so far that we have with oil counters where you like really want to proliferate it
1: (laughs) Cause once that mana stops really mattering, you want to get up to that five. Uh if you draw this like not on turn two, you really would love a one turn boost to doing something. And a cool thing is if you cast this on turn two, activate it, and then on your turn three, you cast either like uh the two mana removal spell that proliferates or the experimental augury, like then you can cast that and another two mana spell that turn, potentially.
0: Yeah. I also think this card Works very well with Fresca, uh, mm, just letting you cast Fresca and proliferating her up.
1: Yeah, uh, it works kind of perfectly. Like, lets you cast her a turn early, and then like she makes it into a card drawing engine very quickly.
0: And, and that that's not perfect because Fresca is her own card drawing engine, but it, she does sure. cost life, like for Arena. <laughs> yeah, so you kind of let Tablet of Completion take over that mm-hmm. aspect while vraska can focus on i guess killing
1: creatures yeah i i'm like kind of into that especially because like like the deck that i want to put vraska into as i said earlier like is a counter heavy proliferate deck and this is probably it feels like a component of that
0: yeah it, it could be worth trying i'm i think this card does require a little too many hoops
1: mm-hmm. uh, or at least the thing i want to do with it which is try to proliferate a bunch doesn't have enough support yeah i mean listen if they let me play Mindstone, i would not be looking at this card at all but yeah they they don't just... let me play Mindstone, so I, I just want sphere of the Suns. i'm telling
0: you that seems like <laughs> a fair card come to play tap yeah. to only three uses come on
1: yeah that card because that was like not that long after they stopped giving us like any sort of Mindstone analog like the you know the signets were still like in our like memory and stuff like that but it still had been a little while since we'd gotten anything and then it was like oh yeah this is just is good enough like not a good version of this effect but it's two mana and it gives us mana
0: and it literally only saw play in like tezzeret decks
1: yeah but <laughs> costs four mana get yeah. get them out let's, of turn early
0: turn your sphere of the suns into a five five let's go
1: <laughs> pretty good <laughs> Uh, Number two on my list is Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. One, a black and a green for a three loyalty Planeswalker. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Plus one, untap up to one target creature. Minus two, mill three cards, and you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I think obvious place is that this may revitalize Devoted Druid. It really does exactly what you want in that deck to help make that work. It is phenomenal with any mana creatures, especially mana creatures that are like big mana creatures. So Pioneer Elves, I think it's just a huge jump from this and you get to play it with Circle of Dreams Druid, which is, you know, half of Elvish Arch Druid, just the mana half of Elvish Arch Druid. But that's potentially really powerful. Uh, You also could play it, I guess, with Elvish Arch Druid, but I'm a little (laughs) terrified of playing actual Elves in Modern with the risk of getting like double furied yeah but i think this card's just really really strong I, I i think it does so many things uh you know with with those elves with devoted druid like with mana guys but it's also like i don't know can you play this with blood tithe harvesters it gives them haste it like lets you get them back from the graveyard and get that value can you play it with fiend artisan or something like that <laughs> it, just like there are cool things can you play it with humans like your katilda all your humans that tap for mana now have haste and can tap for that mana immediately, and if they kill your Katilda, this gets it back. Is that something you can do? There's just like a lot of wheels turning when you read this card, and I think it's really strong.
0: Yeah, it's neat. I, I'm i looking forward to what people do with Devoted Druid, because even though I don't think Tyvard quite does it yet, it is a really good card for that deck, yeah. and I especially enjoy that people have just been discussing the merits of instead of playing any giver of runes in the devoted druid you just slam a bunch of forge tenders in your main deck <laughs> Yeah. just because there's so many furies and if your opponent ever goes like turn one ragavan you could turn one forge tender it's mm-hmm. the best field.
1: it's great yeah and this get this also buys back your forge tenders in that deck so yeah i i
0: think that's probably not the main purpose but <laughs> no
1: but that's that's an option for you for those who don't like you know who don't follow me on twitter that rcq that i played this weekend and i got you know pretty messed up by recto scam our friend kenny won the tournament by showing up with his his pet deck is mono white taxes and he showed up with a version with four burnt and forged Henders main deck and uh four sanctifiers in the sideboard and beat Scam in the Swiss. Beat it in the quarters. Beat it in the semifinals, and then played like was paired against our friend Chris in the finals. And uh, like they split. I don't know if they played it out or not, but he wasn't going to lose that match against Scam.
0: Uh, Chris had already mentally lost that match as soon as Kenny won his semifinals
1: Yeah, <laughs> 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 he was prepared. <laughs>
0: But I, I do think Tyvar has a good chance of revitalizing the, the Devoted Druid decks. And with people adopting cards like Bert and Forge Tender as Protection instead of Gifford Runes, mm-hmm. uh, I think you have a shot of seeing some new crop of Devoted Druids where people are actually like trying to optimize a little bit better, a little bit more. Yep.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that it does other stuff pretty well, too. I think its abilities are just quite strong. Mm-hmm. My number one is the Microsynth Gardens. This is a land with the sphere land type, but that doesn't matter for any of its abilities. It has tap, add a colorless, one tap, add one mana of any color. So we're, we're a shimmering grotto. But then we get X, tap. The Microsynth Gardens becomes a copy of target non token artifact you control with mana value X. If nothing else, this feels like a shoe in for amulets. I think that probably it encourages you to build the deck in a much more combo focused way to like maximize the number of draws where you have double amulet and just kill your opponent that turn because it makes having double amulet just way easier.
0: Yeah, this card is kind of tailor made for amulet. (laughs) It's so good Uh, because often you don't, you don't really need double amulet to win a game, but it does make winning a game very easy.
1: (laughs) You don't have to think about it. You don't have to, like, play a Titan each turn for several turns or anything like that. You just get to deal lethal.
0: You just play your Titan, you play another Titan, and you're good to go. You know, you attack them.
1: It's also probably got some spots in other places as well. This is a really powerful ability to have on a land. Just copy an artifact that you control. A mono-black sacrifice deck, where you just, like, anytime you draw an oven, you actually drew two ovens. That's really good. I don't know what other outlets there are for that sort of thing, but artifacts are strong, and there's some artifacts that are really good in multiples. And a land that turns into a card is also traditionally very strong. You can turn this into a a Mishra's Bauble, and then it's like a really (laughs) bad Horizon Canopy. Yeah, it's like kind of like the other spheres in the set.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But i think that it's kind of i think it is a strong ability but it's hard to find a spot for like amulet is really good really there but other artifact decks in modern are few and far between like mm-hmm. hammer you're not copying hammers like that's not what you're trying to do
1: <laughs> right and you're already at your absolute limit for colorless lands in that deck
0: exactly and then you get something like more forgiving in terms of like man- mana base you go to hardened scales Hard Skills mm-hmm. doesn't actually want to copy any of the artifacts in the deck. They're no. all either zero zeros with modular, or there's stuff like the Ozolith, which is legendary, or that's or a construct. You right. can't even copy construct tokens because no, this card you, specifies if, non-token.
1: The only thing in your deck you'd ever want to copy is Hardened Skills, and that's not right. It's not, not an artifact
0: unless pay yep. the four mm-hmm. mana blue card of this set. Ooh, wow,
1: we're <laughs> really building something yeah. here. Yeah, it sounds like a terrible deck. Just a Mycosynth theme deck.
0: Uh, I did see, or Kenny told me about a, a deck he played against at the RCQ, where he played against a Lantern player playing likes the Gardens, and it does seem interesting when you can copy like an Instaring Bridge or a Welding Jar or a, like a
1: Lantern or whatever. But I think Lantern is just unplayable as a deck without without Moxoble. It just just doesn't look like a playable stack of cards. Yeah, so I'm
0: not interested in that. But if anything can come along where you are able to copy an artifact as a, co- as a combo engine, maybe mm-hmm. you'd be interested. It just doesn't work with stuff like the Asmore decks that we see. Right. Because copying cookbooks does not do anything but produce you have food, ax- which you always once have. Once you have
1: cookbook, you like have as many cookbooks as you want, pretty much. Yeah,
0: exactly. So maybe there's some niche like, combo potentials that people haven't built around, because there's not like, been a card like this before.
1: It's got oh. a ton of potential, and I think it's also guaranteed to be great in Amulet. So this was a pretty yeah. easy number one for me. No,
0: it's also my under number one because it's a card with a lot of forward-facing potential as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. As more one-mana artifacts are printed, like it can only get better not that they print a lot of good one mana artifacts because they're mm-hmm. very cautious about that but it can also copy colored artifacts so and they're much <laughs> more willing to print those and so that that's a an area where this could just get stronger in there's some some cheap colored artifacts that you are good in multiples as
0: sentinel <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah the fact that you tap it makes copying artifact creatures like not the most exciting but eh.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's good, but we, I can move on to my cards if you want. Sure. Because I have a couple of different ones. Yeah, uh, there were a five, lot of fine ones, so. My number five is My Claws, Maze Crusher. This is a one red-green Legendary Phyrexian Beast 4-4. Injures Battlefield with five oil counters on it. You can pay one and remove an oil counter to give it Vigilance and Menace until of turn. You can pay two and remove two oil counters to give it plus two plus two. And you can pay three and remove three oil counters to destroy an artifact or an enchantment. Uh, we were kind of just talking about how Gruel is a good deck in Pioneer, and I think this is a good three drop in in that deck. Like it yeah, does a lot of things.
1: It's already got so many three drops. Like <laughs> it does have that. That is kind of the problem. This might be fine in it, but you know, you're only improving by so much when like already like love-struck beasts are kind of getting put in the sideboard
0: yeah this card is big it is legendary you don't have to play that many copies of it but it does sure. do a lot of things it's very difficult to block basically threatening to be a 6-6 anytime you have 2 in mana mm-hmm. uh, and it has a little bit of extra utility in that it's it kills artifacts and enchantments it can be harder to block further uh, by giving it vigilance and menace uh, it's just like a really it's a card with a lot of text as opposed to just one of the other three drops, which is just a big body. This kind of has a big body plus a bunch of words. Sure.
1: Yeah, I think it's fine. I'm not excited by it, but it's big and yeah, fine.
0: It's big and fine. Yeah. That's that's why it's number five. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of other cards I could have considered here. Like I, I really like the Kaido in this set, Kaido Dancing Shadow. It's a, it got a cool little hybridization between control and tempo i guess not really aggro it's a neat little effect
1: i i do like that card i think it's very cool
0: my uh, number four is Malira, the living cure you talked about this briefly uh green and white for a legendary 3-3 human scout if you would get some poison counters instead you only get one poison counter and you can't get additional poison counters this turn <laughs> basically textless it doesn't it doesn't matter
1: hey, that is uh, that is some trinkety trinket text
0: and then the other ability is you can exile her, and choose a creature, target creature or artifact. When it's put into a graveyard this turn, you return to the battlefield and its control. So it's a, it's a Saffy Eric's daughter, mm-hmm. out but of three a three body, less,
1: less exploitable.
0: Yeah, it, it exiles her instead of sacrificing it, but it is a good redundant piece that you can play in those like green white company style decks or Eldritch mm-hmm. Evolution style decks. Uh, And it protects whatever creatures you're trying to assemble while being, like, a really well-statted creature. Because the backup plan for the decks is often just, turn my creatures sideways and try to kill you. And when your protection pieces are (laughs) 3-3s, that's pretty good. Yeah,
1: that happens pretty quickly, for sure.
0: (laughs) So I just think she's a good piece for those type of strategies.
1: Yeah, and now you have access to Skrelv and to her, and those, like that's that's kind of a, a nice selection of like how do you want to protect your creature you've got a good set of options there
0: yeah exactly while beating down from, in and Malera's she's also case. A,
1: a human right she's a human human scout so there, there's a lot of stuff going on there thali's lieutenant is very good and very legal and pioneer
0: yep and you, even like suiciding a Thales lieutenant somehow or being able to bring it back if they target the removal spell well often like, lieutenant
1: is often a 4-4 you want to attack with it and then like they trade off for it and you just get to Thales lieutenant like they you leave them with like no good options
0: if Malera's on the battlefield and you play Athalia's lieutenant you just like have this all right i guess i'm killing molera while it's all cards on the stack yeah. You can't get Thali's lieutenant back and the Malira doesn't get bigger, but all right. I do have to deal with this lieutenant.
1: <laughs> yep. Also, like protecting your Adaline is really, really good. So the the white deck has the mono white deck has a lot going for it, especially the fact that you can play all these muta vaults. But it's possible that like the sizing on some of the green cards and the the way that you get to protect your like powerful cards that could encourage you to play a different a second color and you know then you do get to play collective company
0: Mm -hmm. and this is a meaningless conversation without razor stick being printed and it's in the set. yes
1: absolutely yep
0: so it's actually playable and my my numbers three through one are all cards on your list number three was uh sword of forge and frontier number two was tyvar jubilant brawler number one is Mycosynth gardens those are all cards i am very high on Tavimar probably a little less. I'm just more interested in see what people do with him than anything else.
1: I'm excited, um, yeah. It's a, such a weird card that I, I feel like we're going to see some nonsense.
0: And the Sword in the Gardens are cards I, I'm big on. I like those cards a lot. I cool. actually like the Malira a lot more after our conversation than before, even though I was pretty good on her before.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a little higher on her, too. Just, like, the more you think about her, the more stuff she does.
0: But yeah, that's that's all we won for me.
1: Yeah, I think that... I'm excited to play this set a little bit starting tomorrow and see what comes out of it. But yeah, probably a two and a half hour episode or whatever this kind of edits down to. That's that's probably enough content for this week.
0: Oh yeah, we have been talking for a while, haven't
1: we? (laughs) I I'm I'm ready to go lay down.
0: Yeah, that, that doesn't sound bad. I gotta catch some of these streams. I gotta, like, go find Spike's VODs and see what the nonsense deck was like, he was playing earlier today
1: with Capricious I mean, Dragon. <laughs> I, I saw some Hollow Ones hit the battlefield. I saw some Venge Vines hit the battlefield. There was also a Creativity Deck, or maybe it was just the, the Red Polymorph, but, you know, with Capricious Dragons and Archons, then you, like, get the dragon with your Polymorph, and then you, you Polymorph again until you... And then you hit an archon, and
0: That's I, not
1: not all of the ideas are complete <laughs> winners, but it did look pretty powerful sometimes.
0: I, I gotta check it out. I gotta see some capricious dragon gameplay
1: for yeah. my own eyes. I recommend it. It was fun to watch. Cool. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody so much for listening. We really really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the new set. Have a great week.
0: Yeah. Have a good time. Bye.